Greetings and welcome, guys, gals, to Non-Binary Pals to episode 385 of the Words About Games podcast, the weekly gaming podcast for Words About Games. I'm your host, Amy K. Alexander, and I'm joined this week by uh, Mr. Vitz Patel, who's below What's me. good, gamers? How are you, Amy? Um, you know, not bad. <laughs> I'm having a good day. Uh, now that we figured out what episode number it is. <laughs> yeah. Now that we know where, where we are in space and time. There you go. I'm pr- pretty decent. But we're also joined by a very, 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 very special guest this week. It's Sadie. Hey. Hello. 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 How, how's hello. it going? <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. Can you tell that it's been like two years since I podcasted? I'm like, what do you say again on a podcast? <laughs> How do words? <laughs> yeah, exactly. About what, games. <laughs> yeah. What, what is speaking? Um, I'm good, thank you. Um, uh, I've just uh, finished work, and um, what better way to start my evening than to speak with you, lovely people, about video games? Working on video Aww. games all day. What better way to relax and unwind than to talk about video games all night? <laughs> this, this is sadly my existence. <laughs> That's fine. Moody, Moody manages. <laughs> he does much of the same. Except he just plays football manager all the time now. So he's one of those people. How's everybody doing? We are doing good. 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 Uh, yeah, good, good is the word I'm going to go with. <laughs> so good. far, it's 2024, we've had somehow like 25% of the layoffs we had in 2023 already. We're only like two weeks into the year, but yeah, so I'm going with just good. <laughs> We're not even back yet. Can you stop with the layoffs? We're doing our special episodes. <laughs> oh, the gang's not back together. They're not allowed to do this. It's not fair. Mm-hmm. Um, to us, it's not fair to us <laughs> and nobody else. Yeah, Say, Sadie, how's it going? Things are things are good. Um, I um I loved January the first for this year. That was good. Had a really great January the first, and then I went back to work on January the second. And you know, that's been that's been something. Um, so um, yeah, but actually, I'm I'm really good, and I'm um, very excited to just be here. We get the subject. I don't want to spoil it, obviously, but I'm very excited about this subject and very flattered to be uh, invited to talk about it. It's a one that means a lot to me. So yeah, very cool. Very cool indeed. So all good. I yeah, wouldn't worry about spoiling it. People have read the title of the episode. The title. <laughs> Okay, we're going to be talking about the downfall of Xbox. It's going to be awesome. Let's go! No. Um, <laughs> I'm, Take this, I'm joking, and I have to um, <laughs> I have to say, just remind me, oh yeah, I work in video games, so that's just a joke. It's the first thing that came to my head. I like all systems equally. Please don't fire me, anybody. Can confirm. Just just mm-hmm. a joke. The, the things that come out, that will inevitably come out of my mouth on this podcast are not representative of the things that Sadie may or may not believe to be true mm-hmm. in her heart. I think I, I literally I literally just saw your Xbox logo and that's unfortunately caused me to say things from my mouth. <laughs> yeah. It's the brightest one. That's not the brightest one, but the PlayStation one does that thing where it like changes like the lights around like if i turned all four on it would be like a beacon 
kind of like in that Lord <laughs> of the Rings film, you know, where they light all of the... Gondor all, calls for aid. Gondor, Gondor would indeed be calling for aid. <laughs> oh, no one made that meme. That would be awesome. That'd be so cool. Because <laughs> <laughs> I forget everything I say on a podcast as soon as I hit stop recording it. Um, oh, don't worry. And everything I say is nonsense anyway, so <laughs> we're all in the same boat. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's that's that's the vibes of the podcast. But no, I'm, it's a good week for t- this week. I'm on holiday. GDQ is starting Ooh. soon. The Canucks are winning, which is nice because they've sucked for like a decade. Um, I've got good video games, and I'm having this nice chat. I, I'm interested what the the monkey's paw situation is going to be. So your hockey team starts winning after sucking for a decade. What's what's on the opposite end to balance out the scale? Maybe I'll just fall off a bridge or something. I don't know. <laughs> 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 yeah, like it's the, the the mood whiplash of this podcast will 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 viol- yeah. violently swing. Um, that that escalated very quickly. I know, I know, it's, I know. It's been it's been a minute since you uh, since you've been been here, but <laughs> it's how we do things yeah. around here. Mm-hmm. Like I'll catch up, I'm sure, and I'll um, make things even worse. Don't worry. And there you go. There is no bottom to this barrel. That's what I always say. Hell yeah! Hi. So did did you have a good New Year and or Christmas? Uh, Sadie, sorry, me and Vitz have already done this once last week, which is coming out in a week later. It's it's a mess. Moody goes on holiday, screws everything mm-hmm. up, and I can say what I like uh, about him because um, he's not here. Yeah, maybe it's the downfall of Moody rather than the downfall of Xbox in this podcast. Um, <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> so uh, I did. I had a, a very nice chill that Christmas, um, and New Year's was lovely. Um, my main mission over that period was to beat Baldur's Gate 3, and um, uh, I've um, not even got close. So, yay! Congrats! Yeah, well, would you like to feel better about that? <laughs> because it was uh, it was somebody else's main mission over Christmas to start Baldur's Gate 3. <laughs> and they, well, failed, got in the way. they failed that task spectacularly. <laughs> Isn't that right, Moody? <laughs> really, it's the downfall of Moody. <laughs> I love it. Brilliant. So, um, I don't know. I'm, I'm guessing by the sounds of it, then you guys have talked a fair bit about it. But basically, without spoiling anything, I, I, I began the holiday period at the kind of sort of early stages of Act Three, and I thought, well, you know, I'm at the early stages of the final act. Um, I must be near the end. And um, that is not a good assumption to make with that video game. <laughs> Do you have anything to add to that, Vince? <laughs> I mean, that's a, that that's the a statement which is more true than anything else about this game. So uh, I'm I'm in the I'm in the same boat of uh, so like I. I don't want to say I rushed through, but you know we got through the first two acts in a steady pace, and I was like, okay, we're in the we're in the lower city, things are happening. Uh, we've got to be coming up to the the big like crescendo of where the 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 main thrust of the plot is going, and then it's kind of, ooh, what's this thing to do? Ooh, what's this thing to do? Oh wait, this is more involved than I thought it was going to be. Oh wait, how deep does this tunnel go? You want me to go in here? You want me to rescue these people? And 
Oh, it's amazing. Now, I was texting Amy just this morning about uh, some of the adventures that we had and uh, the guilt trips that other uh, party members put me through and, and all the rest of it. So, I remember now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. I was like, wait, I Leave me the hell alone, Will. <laughs> That's what yeah, I'm going to say. Will. Yeah, Will. Suck it up, Will. Uh huh. But uh, no, it, it's incredible. So I think I um, I think I just crossed over the hundred hour mark. Uh, so yeah, I have been uh, making sure to to explore everything. Obviously, I don't think there'll be a person alive who touches everything this game has to offer, kind of thing. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm loving my time with it. And by the sounds of it, you are too, Sadie. Uh, I I think it's an amazing game. Um, uh, I I unfortunately, and I think it's a bit misleading when you look at your PlayStation like sort of hours you've put into a game because I tend to like go from my game and do chores without switching off, which is mm. terrible. But um, according to PlayStation, I am way above your hundred hours uh, bits, um, and uh, no better for it by the sounds of it because it sounds like you've got things that I've not yet found. Um, so. Um, yeah, maybe if you invite me to the podcast in 2025, I'll be able to tell you that I've finished Baldur's Gate 3. There you go. No, I think one of the one of the beauties of this game is everybody's journey is different and just as valid as anybody else's. And uh, it, it's one of these where, uh, yeah, we, we'll have wider different uh, story arcs and, and the way that you would take our characters and all the rest of it. And uh, it, it's such a special game. And it's one of the reasons why we may have voted it a certain thing if uh, that episode is coming out before you see this one or afterwards or that one already exists things. yeah we did yes. that before christmas <laughs> there you go <laughs> time Wait. is a flat circle everybody <laughs> what did we do last week what was last week's podcast um uh... that's very Sorry, I was going to just say that's 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 very sweet of you to say. By the way, about you know every um, Baldur's Gate three journey is valid, but you haven't seen mine, and you don't know, and it's not. <laughs> I had I had one mission in Baldur's Gate. Vitz knows this because I you know mm -hmm. we talk about the game all the time. I had one mission in Baldur's Gate three. How many demon ladies can you have sex with? Let's find out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> If I had to predict what your mission would have been in that game, that probably would have been my number three or two. <laughs> but uh, no, like, yeah, Vitzel texts me, like, oh my god, I just killed, like, there was a one a few days ago, where you were mm -hmm. like, oh man, I just killed this character. And I was like, who? <laughs> <laughs> what? Fair. Absolutely fair. <laughs> That's what I get for playing it at launch and... Not like like Vit says, not rushing through it, but like you know, keeping a steady pace. Mm. Um, <laughs> other video games exist, and they decided to come out at the same time, and that seemed really, How like a really stupid them. idea. But yeah. uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> I spent my I spent my holiday playing Yakuza like Dragon and and Prey. Uh, I think Yakuza like a Dragon is really cool. Um, and um, I've only played about five or six hours of it, but um, that is my first like real Yakuza experience, and nice. that game is pretty cool. Oh, it's really good. So I was in the same boat. Like I played, I played it for like ten hours. I'm going to my Xbox, um, and then I was like, "Well, I need to play something on Christmas." And the sequel's coming out, and I should probably like know what's going on in the sequel before i play the sequel <laughs> let me just finish <laughs> let me just finish this game real quick 
like considering the sequel is in an entirely different country um from what i understand then yeah like i think like probably something happens in the story <laughs> i mean no we need to figure out why this man is naked on the beach that, that's the that's the thrust of it <laughs> I'm into this video game premise. <laughs> <laughs> what if everybody put naked? <laughs> but yeah, no, like I finished that on Christmas Day, weirdly, in a mm-hmm. weird like timing thing. And then I played uh, Prey. Um, and Vitz and, and Moody both recommended it independently of each other um, based on a very small list of things. And then, mm. I, and then it, it was really awesome. And I was like doing all the immersive sim things and I was like smashing the window and I was like flushing the toilets. Um, and I was like making, doing, fighting all of the aliens without using the combat as much as possible because, like, you know, immersive sims are fucking great. But then it was like, oh, we're going to lock the station down for story reasons and you have to go down this linear path for the next like five or six hours. <laughs> and I got so far down that path and I went, you know, fuck this. <laughs> I don't have no, to keep no, playing, no. you know, pray. <laughs> <laughs> You're not the boss of me. <laughs> You're not the boss of me. I'm going to play something else. Mm-hmm. And then I went back to Persona. <laughs> that is that is a really cool realization, which I think I only really made in my sort of thirties. That oh yeah, I can actually stop playing the video game if I'm not enjoying it. One of the one of the net positives, like the biggest net positives, of not being a game reviewer anymore, is being like I don't have to finish this. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't have to finish this thing that I am playing. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. With that time, we can dip into the wonders of Lethal Company. <laughs> oh, yeah. We played that as well. <laughs> Have you heard of this one there, Sadie? Uh, bits and pieces. Yeah, it wasn't quite what I was expecting, but not in a not in a good way. Like, when I'm standing at that corridor, oh, shouting down it, going, Hello? Are you still alive? <laughs> Hello? <laughs> It's a very, very fun game. We didn't play it. It is. Oh, I'm sure we will do soon. Uh, yeah, the, the joys of proxy chat and what happens when you just hear one of your friends scream and then you just go silent. It's all okay. <laughs> what do we do now? Do I leave them there? Do I try and, do I try and get their stuff? Oh, do, yeah. Do I, do I try and fight the monster with my air horn? Is that going to work? <laughs> or when, you, when you're running back to the spaceship and you don't know if the rest of your team is dead or not and they can't answer you because... They are in fact dead, but you're just in the spaceship doing like the the horror game audio log. Yeah, <laughs> like I don't know what to do. They might and you find yourself narrating. You find yourself narrating to yourself just in case anybody else is listening. <laughs> I don't know. Help! This, this, this sounds very intense in a quite disturbing way. It's not. It's like a pixel art kind of kind of art style. So like the horror isn't mm. like as intense as like phasmophobia. Um, which is a truly terrifying game but uh no it's more fun than anything you go in you pick up a bunch of random stuff and then a monster will appear at some point and usually as i found it will just drop on vitz's head right in front of right in front of me (laughs) or i'll be bravely running away from monster and and run straight into a landmine (laughs) it's one of the two (laughs) That's but, a very uh, funny well. story too. <laughs> <laughs> you, you were on but, the uh, you were on the other side of the complex, so all we heard was like this very distant sort of like, "Oh God, I see the monster!" And then there was a big bang, <laughs> <laughs> and we were still there going, "Do you think he's dead? I think he might be dead." <laughs> oh, uh, this game does wonders for uh, accessibility for those who suffer from arachnophobia. 
So there are spiders in the game, but there is an arachnophobia setting you can toggle. And instead of a spider appearing, no. it's the word spider. <laughs> and it still moves in a spider-like fashion. <laughs> but that, that'll sort it. Is that, is that actually going to make things any better for anybody who has arachnophobia? I mean, at least they tried. <laughs> <laughs> I have a theory. I'm not arachnophobic, but I've I've used arachnophobia mods in a couple of games, and like based on that experience alone, I have a theory that if you, the thing that gets created when you turn arachnophobia mode on is always scarier than or than than, yes. than a spider. <laughs> Even if it's like we made it cuddly, he said no. It's ten times worse. It's ten times worse. Get it off my screen. This is why Five Nights at Freddy's is so popular. <laughs> mm -hmm. Replace them with clown spaces. That's why I would be <laughs> spider with a clown face. Just mm -hmm. and then big there you nose. go. Perfect. And oh, like uh, speaking skates. of arachnophobia settings, uh, Larian, please get on that because my friends want to play BG3, but they are terrified of spiders and it gets quite spidery in places. <laughs> there are a lot of spiders in that video game. Mm -hmm. There really are. You can turn it on. Spiders Gate 3. Yes. That's what you call it. <laughs> oh no, all oops, all spiders. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, what are we on here? That's probably good. All right, should we start the, the topic of the of the show? The one and only topic, the roast of Daffin Moon. I mean, um, wait, what was the real one? <laughs> oh yeah, 10 games to, to know me. So this is a thing that's been going around the social medias for, for a while. Like, and I keep seeing the same people post it, and, and they always have a different list of games, and I'm like, is that good? Okay. That's, not how it, that's not how it works. <laughs> that's how this works. <laughs> Call them out, Amy. Call them out. Mm -hmm. um, that, that phase of my life is over. <laughs> the only person I'll call out now is Moody. <laughs> but only when he's not here. Um, yeah, no, it's 10, 10 games to get to know me, or in this case, us. Um, and we've all we've all picked ten games, and the 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 premise of that sentence is suitably vague enough that we've probably all done picked different games for different reasons. At least judging by like hearing a little bit about everybody's lists, <laughs> or maybe it's just hearing about my own list. <laughs> no, I'm sure there's an there's an element of that there. So it, these games are especially pendant to us. So whether it's a uh, a milestone that happened uh, in our lives when this game came out or the way this game resonated with us and evoked emotions that we didn't even know that uh, we could achieve at that point in time and it's the first I would, like I'm, it, it, it's clear that video games are, are such an interactive medium and it's because you can engross yourself in the stories that, the way that no other medium can kind of thing and I think the way I've put my list together is very much in, in that vein in terms of um, these are the games which meant something to me because I felt X, Y, and Z, and these were the things that were happening in my lifetime at, the, at, the, at that moment. And yeah, they shaped who I am today. Mm, yeah, I think uh, I've done that as well. Yeah. Mostly. I wrote a thousand <laughs> words for each one. <laughs> no, you're only a little, par I'm little joking, paragraph. I'm joking. <laughs> it's, it's like a reminder to talk about things. Like, mm. A thousand words is okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Can I, can I be fully transparent with your audience? Because um, I feel like it's only going to be better if I'm honest at the beginning rather than it all come unfolding at the end. But um, I am sure of about six to seven of my games. And then the three remaining, we will work out as we go along. 
Excellent. There we go. What you've done is like, because because when I find this happens with video, writing video, making video essays as well, where it's like I'll I'll finish it and publish it, and then I'll go, ah, I could have done about this, and I could have talked about this. You've been smart. You've left room for as you're going along to to remember something and go, ah, but what about this? Whereas me and Vitz have kind of locked ourselves into it's these games uh-huh. and, and nothing else, <laughs> no matter what. <laughs> It's definitely that and not the lack of preparation. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, but the beauty the beauty of, uh, of your approach, AD, is that you get the opportunity to avoid the situation where I'm going to go in like four game time. Oh, crap, I've forgotten about this game. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> you just get to do that on the fly and just style it out. I love that. <laughs> I forgot about the most important game of them all. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> I will 100% steal your forgotten games. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we'll just text them to you. Hey, what about, what about this? What about Dizzy's Grand Adventure? I totally forgot about that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I try to replay one of those games because they're all available on the Internet Archive now. Unplayable. I don't know how Child Me managed. <laughs> <laughs> um. So I suppose I should start, right? Go for it. Yeah. No, that's fine. Mike. So can I can I ask just before we get in there because you know we're derailing the show at every given, uh, corner as it turns out. Derail. How have you ordered your list? So because of the way in which I decided to write this down, it's chronological. But chronological, I've done the same thing. Chronological to when I played them, not chronological to when they came out, which comes which okay. comes becomes important later. <laughs> and actually, funnily enough, that's how my list is kind of ordered too. So yep, awesome. That's cool. Um, so I wonder who's gonna. I wonder who's gonna start furthest back in time. <laughs> I don't think it'll be me. <laughs> it was almost me. <laughs> yeah. Until I was like, "Does the first game I ever remember playing really, really matter that much?" And I was like, "No, it doesn't," because <laughs> it was some terrible Ghostbusters game that I don't even remember what it was called. <laughs> <laughs> it will. Given that I'm crumbling to dust, I feel like my one is gonna be the oldest of the games. So. Yeah. You're not crumbling we'll to see. dust. We'll see, but we'll see. Vith is going to come out of nowhere with Pong. <laughs> hey, we did have a we did have a machine. It was called a Grandstand something or other, and oh. we had like six different variations was of it, Pong. <laughs> was it was it with the, the the controller, which was just a, a turny thing? Yep, just a, just a dial thing. I had that as well. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, it was like Grandstand Sports something or other, and <laughs> yes. it was like it's got football, and... it's got tennis, it's got bam, and it's just, it's just all just Pong. It's it's all it's, just it's Pong. pong. <laughs> Pong was life back then, though. <laughs> Pong, um, the ultimate video game. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I'm taking us back with my first game to 1997. Ooh, <laughs> uh, with fi- with with like it's it's a game that like no one who knows me will be surprised when I put it on my ten games to get to know me, which is Final Fantasy VII. Yes, <laughs> because. Like there's two like in the next game after this, like is like the two sort of game prong attack, which is just like, hey, these two I played these two games and I went from a kid who had games consoles because like everyone had games consoles. Um and I didn't really like games that much. Um because all the games on on like the Mega Drive and stuff, they I didn't like them very much. <laughs> um they were a bit simple. To being like fucking well now here I am sitting on a three hundred and eighty fifth episode of a gaming podcast. <laughs> Um, so I guess this explain this is going to explain how that happened um, <laughs> over the course of ten games, um, and yeah, 
because this was the first game where it had which had a story that I was actually invested in. <laughs> like most games before this were there are aliens, kill them all. <laughs> or <laughs> get from the left hand side of the screen to the right hand side of the screen. And I was like, okay, it's fine, I guess, whatever. And then Final Fantasy VII was like, you're a terrorist. And there's this corporation and it's trying to kill the planet. And also there's this guy with long silver hair. And and like, you know, I don't want to do spoilers with Rebirth right around the corner. <laughs> but now that I think about it, but but yeah, no, it was like I was like invested in the story. Like I played it over a summer holiday um, mm-hmm. because of the adverts on TV. And it was like this mm. video game that has adverts on TV. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> and I asked, was this the first title that didn't feel like a toy to you? Like previous video games may have felt uh yes de- yeah definitely mm. like it was fun to like do the things and like bop the the embosses yeah. on the head and they would go in red and then disappear <laughs> and stuff and that was all very satisfying to my teenager like make violence brain right but um then events transpired <laughs> and i was yep. like oh shit <laughs> <laughs> This this isn't Golden Axe. What the fuck? Amy uh-huh. <laughs> Amy sat there playing FF Seven with a glass of cognac in her hand, <laughs> saying, I, "I'm a connoisseur now." Just like I get it now. <laughs> I get it. I've now. seen things, man. Man, yes. let me tell you. Like no one I knew played Final Fantasy Seven. Like by the time I had played it, so I mm. was just like, "This fucking sucks." I got no one to talk to you about like what just happened. I need I need to talk to somebody about this, like a therapist, a friend, anybody. Yeah. Um. But no, it was awesome. It like it like I opened it up to me like a whole like thing of uh, of video games. I, I kind of had a similar question uh, to Vitz. Isn't like was this your first Final Fantasy? Yeah. Um. So I I um, was a Sega kid. Like um. You know when you're a kid, like you get the games consoles that you you are bought. So I had a Master System and a Mega Drive, um, because my parent, my mom liked Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> that was the reason I had a, a Sega, um, and then I got a PlayStation One. So like I didn't have the Nintendo consoles to get like the older fun. I did. I have mm-hmm. downloaded and installed on my PS Five right now Final Fantasy VI, <laughs> mm. which which is, nice. is is an upcoming game for me. <laughs> yes. Um. But it was my it was my first Final Fantasy. It was my first JRPG, and it might have been my first role playing game like uh, entirely because I didn't have a gaming computer um, to play like Baldur's Gate or Neverwinter. Like I didn't play those until later. Um, hmm. So like th- that that's probably why it made such an impact on me because I hadn't played any other games that had like stories and characters. Mm. So that that's fun. That's my first one. That was awesome, and I, I think a lot of people would put that game on their list. Um, and um, you know, I think um, even though it's not on mine, it's one I can like totally get. Like if that is your first entry to JRPGs, um, and you kind of you know being the right age as well, as well, like. It's hard for I think for a lot of people to not see that as being like a fundamentally like massive game. Yeah. Like it. Yeah. Yeah. I read a book. I was reading a book about the history of JRPGs last year, and like, like I was around when FF Seven came out, so I knew how like big it was in popularity. 
but it was cool to just see that context of like how big this was like for everything like the games that yeah. came after it yeah. and the impact it had on like the industry and stuff um yeah because i might be wrong in thinking yeah. this but they were marketing this as this is a story that couldn't be contained by cinema or anything like that and it took like a team of like a thousand people to bring this story to life across three compact cds and it was one of these where it was utterly groundbreaking yeah i think so i think that's kind of um and it was certainly like you know this is taking gaming to the to the next level right you know the shift from six to seven is 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 massive although um you know as someone who's a bit of a final fantasy nerd um i i will say that i think final fantasy six in many ways has a really mature story and uh is a really strong entry in the series but you know you don't see anything quite as dramatic as uh, some of the scenes that happen in seven in the way that they're like shown this kind of cinematic thing and you know um to to me games suddenly did become cinematic on the PlayStation through not just things like Final Fantasy, but um, other games. Uh, I'll put my hat on and say, I work for Konami, blah, blah, blah. But like Metal Gear Solid comes under this 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 bracket as well as a game that really mm-hmm. brought cinematic things to life. Um, so um, yeah, like totally, totally get it. I think it's a great choice. Nice. Nailed it. Yeah. There you go. Just wait till it starts getting yeah. real weird. Because... <laughs> uh... <laughs> It's going to start getting real weird soon. <laughs> um, quite a normal choice for us, number one. Uh, yeah, it's how you get them in. That's yeah. how you reel them in. You start normal, and then you just start like you just quickly descend the the slide into absolute <laughs> crazy town. Um, who should let's 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 say let everyone let's say to you you can go second. Literally and figuratively, be our guest. Yeah, be, yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. I, I, I'm all for Disney references. Um, so, um, I, my get first game, uh, you said 1997 Final Fantasy uh, 7, Amy. Um, I'm going to wind us back 12 years uh, back to 1985 uh, and the BBC Micro, which probably most people listening or watching this have not played. And I imagine most people listening or watching have not played this game, which is called Repton. Um, so Repton um, was made by a studio called Superior Software. Um, it was um, heavily inspired by Boulder Dash, but interestingly, and I'll hold my hands up and say I'm looking at Wikipedia for this information. Um, the person behind the game um, was inspired by reading a review of Boulder Dash, but not actually having played the game, which I only found out today and I think is a massively uh, interesting fact. But anyway, I'll go back to the information I actually do know about this game. So um, basically, like, I don't know, have you guys ever seen like those like teens react to videos where, you know, it's like, so like, I imagine inside. (laughs) It's one of those. (laughs) Yeah. I can't imagine how most of my contemporaries, not only teens, like I'm talking like, you know, people in their 30s or 20s would react to like seeing Repton um, because it just is a game from another time. It was this top-down side-scrolling puzzler. It had its own like rules in terms of physics. So basically you played this, what I think you're a reptile, but you're wearing a yellow t-shirt for some reason and trousers and have feet. You look a bit like an alien or a reptile. It's really hard to describe. Um, You're going up and down, left to right in this top-down world. 
and you are trying to find all the diamonds in it. And to do that, you have to push boulders um, out of the way so you can get there. But also, these boulders follow their own kind of physics rule where they can fall down on you if you move dust from underneath them. Um, and if that all sounds really difficult to visually convey, it's because this game is like so it's old. Like it's so old. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's. Um, I I don't want to go too much into the game because it, I think it's very esoteric. Um, this is, um, you know, probably not a game that like, is easy to explain without watching it. But you can go and find some videos on YouTube and check it out. I think the more important side to it for me is that this is the game that kind of my dad put me in front of my BBC Micro when I was like three or four years old. And um, I remember playing games like this, um, other games where like I was solving maths problems by moving clouds to fit with weather bits that had matching arithmetic in them. Um, and, you know, playing games like Chucky Egg, maybe a bit more famous, uh, Mr. E, a bit more famous. Um, uh, you know, some of these like real classics, Missile Command, uh, to get back into kind of more like well-known arcade games. Um, and... Um, you know, like that is a really formative thing for me in my gaming life was being that age and just, you know, this world that I could transport to. You imagine like being five or six and there's this world that you can go into and it doesn't matter how bitty or, you know, uh, uh, um, you know, unrealistic it looks. To me, it was incredible. And I wouldn't be here working in games, talking about games if it wasn't for that system and Repton and... Um, it has to go on that list. So it's, yeah, not not Final Fantasy VII re or, or anything like it in terms of its importance, but, like, to me, it was it was massive. Your yeah, I mean, imagination that... fills in the blanks, doesn't it, with, like, game, all the games, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and funny enough, it's a series that kind of carried on. It, it had a few extra entries going up until the 90s. The second entry in the series took that concept I described as kind of top-down puzzler and then introduced lots of different rooms you could go into. And I remember think, working this out about 15 years ago and realizing, oh, wait, that's probably the first open-world video game because you kind of actually could go across the whole map from one bit to the end. Um, and I was like... There's, I don't think there's another game like that that's ever, that had been released in like the late 80s. So um, it's, you know, kind of bizarre when you look back on these games like that we played with the text adventures, like The Hobbit, which a lot of people would have played at school. So um, just, <laughs> yes. yeah, exactly. Right? So, um, it's just, uh, I kind of, I, I actually, you know, feel very privileged to have been a part of that and to kind of see how gaming kind of grew out of its absolute infancy and to have been part of that journey. And it all began for me with Repton. Sick. That's amazing. Hell yeah. That's such a cool story. Yeah. Reminds me of uh, I don't, an Amstrad 64. Um, it was like the first game yeah. thing that I had. And it came with this fucking huge book where it was like, if you type in all this code without any spelling mistakes, you can play a game. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Never managed to play any of those games. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> I remember having um, there was a game called Premier Manager Two, which was like a one of the sort of early football management type games, and it had a security protection thing where you had this kind of plastic wheel which had two rings, and you'd you know it tell you match familiar. this code with this code to get yeah. yeah. Um, and I thought that was really cool until I lost it. I still wanted to play the game, so every time I'd load it up, I'd have to guess the number, and it would take about 20 or 30 tries. But I would do that because I was an idiot. Analog DRM. 
<laughs> I'm glad it didn't lock you out. So I had a very similar story to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles on the Commodore Amiga 500, which we had, and that came with the book. And all the pages were were red, like a deep maroon, but it had black text on them, so it was really hard to see in the first place. <laughs> but yeah, you, you'd be screwed if you lost that book. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. Remember books. <laughs> books with manuals and video games. Oh, like, some good manuals. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. My next game Absolutely. my next game had a good manual. Had a good manual. Yeah, sometimes you, you see like some amazing pieces of art which isn't featured in the game at all, but it's only featured in the manual kind of thing. You can be missing out. So Or like yeah. the entire story of the game is in the manual. <laughs> yes. <laughs> cool. That's pretty awesome. sure Rexon would have mm-hmm. Yeah, sorry, that, that's my one. Um it's, it's like, first I'm uh, cool. So, uh, yeah, we, we're going to throw back the clock on this one. We're going back to 1993. Uh, this was on the Game Boy, uh, which was uh, purchased for, for me and my brother when we went on a trip to India. Uh, so long, long flight back in those days. Probably still a long flight now. Uh, and this was in 95 when I got around to playing this game. But this is The Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening. Uh, it is one of the very first... Uh, games i can remember playing and having a real resonance for uh being fully invested in the story so we we had titles like street fighter 2 and things like that for the amiga cross 4 triple a floppy disks and uh, it took like an hour to load in one stage to do a fight kind of thing but yeah uh link's awakening was one of those titles which uh i think because it was on the game boy and it was a more personal experience for me so it wasn't sat in front of a tv where everybody could look and kind of judge on what you're doing and how badly you're playing the game or whatever it is. And that whole notion of it's averting my expectations of uh, where the story goes. And I think for a lot of people, they would have uh, got to the title with the remake that came out fairly recently uh, on the Switch. But uh, yeah, so I played this game uh, originally on the regular Game Boy and then when my brother got a Game Boy Color, uh, we picked up the DX version, we played it in color and had the extra dungeon on it. And uh, yeah, it was just... It, this this is the first game that uh the first of many games ultra make me cry kind of thing at the end in, in terms of just how emotional that story got and the whole how it dealt with what is reality and what your perception of it as thinking just like damn you know as a 10 year old kid this is getting pretty deep <laughs> but uh yeah this is a game which will always remain uh close in my heart i adore that choice um uh, uh, it's not going to be the only Zelda on this list. I'm just going to spoil that for anyone. Um, <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. Um, but like, what a what a Zelda to choose because it is the the, the different one. It, it's mm-hmm. fundamentally the one that with the other ones, and um, it's so quirky and so yeah. unusual and interesting. And I played it too on my Game Boy back in the day. Um, I've got the remake sitting there, which I've not yet played because I really want to just give it the time because it deserves yeah. it. Um, but like. Um, I just remember just there was a feeling of like I have to I have to get to the bottom of this. I have to find my way out because um every moment was just kind of gripping in this way that's really hard to describe. It's not like an intense game, mm-hmm. but like you are just being propelled from start to finish and um I loved it. I absolutely adored it. It's when the bosses start going to you, okay, you need to stop all this. <laughs> you need to stop doing what you're doing. Like, what the hell could that mean? Yeah. <laughs> like to this day, I still remember the the path through the wind egg at the end on the original Game Boy. I think they mix it up for uh, for the remake. So any knowledge you have, 
Attack of the App, forget everything you know. But uh, yeah, it, it was such a uh, a special title that that's still in there. Like I, I can't remember most important things in my life, but I remember that <laughs> it's one of those. Because it is one of the most. Yeah, important that things. fourth wall, right? Mm-hmm. The 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 fourth, the fourth wall was just completely shattered in that game, right? Like uh, the game was speaking to you directly a lot of the time. It was great. Um, I need to update my backlog list. It's currently got <laughs> it's currently got um the Oracle games on it. Uh, which is going to make yeah. a slight change. <laughs> uh, the, the Oracle games were the, the next two Delta that I, I played. And uh, yeah, whilst they were, were brilliant, it, for, for me, Link's Awakening stands far and away above those. But uh, for sure, Amy, I highly recommend checking out the, the remake if the original is hard to get hold of. I'm not sure if the original is on All the games Switch. are easy to get a hold of if you know where you look. I mean, yeah, <laughs> depending on how many eye patches you strap on, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Allegedly. <laughs> <laughs> That, but that's the question I'd have for you, for you Vitz. If you had to say which one you should go back to, would you say the original or would you say the remake? Uh, the remake has a ton of more charm that's been added. And I think to your point earlier in terms of your imagination filling in the gaps between the pixels, uh, the, the remake fills a lot of that in for you. And it is, it is a more cohesive experience. Uh, and yeah, that, that art style is standing in the in the remake. So I, I would say go back to that. But for people who are as old as we are, then you're going to have that uh, initial touch point kind of thing. But you're not, quote unquote, losing anything if you haven't played the original by picking up the, the remake. No, it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Add it to the pile. There you go. If only somebody hadn't made me play a 100-hour game. <laughs> I, I told you, you can play 10 hours of Persona 5 and then pick it up afterwards. <laughs> it's not how I work. <laughs> I knew that, though. I knew you'd love it. Though. <laughs> it's true. Is everybody ready for my second game? Hit me with it. It's going yes. to, to 1998. So I'm only, nice. going, I'm, I'm only jumping Ooh. forward one year from where I was previously. I'm loving the fact that every time somebody says a game, the year... Because I've been doing this. I'm trying to work it out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, It's also a PlayStation 1 game. Um, And it's like a polar opposite to to why Final Fantasy VII was so impactful for me. And it's Resident Evil 2. Ooh. Oh, good one. So, friends, we we are talking about the original release of Resident Evil 2, not necessarily the remake that came out a couple years ago. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, the remake's good. The remake's done. It sure is. The remake's good. Um, But yeah, no, this was... um, So, like... Now I know, well, (laughs) I don't know a lot about game design, but now I know about game. I know what it is. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Whereas I I didn't necessarily know that when I was a kid, but it was like the first game that got me thinking about like how a game is designed and how those design choices like will make, will like make you feel as you're playing it. Um, Essentially, it's like the yin and yang of the two games that Final Fantasy VII was the game that got me hooked on, like, stories in games, and Resident Evil 2 is the game that got me hooked on, like, games that are just really satisfying to play um, over and over again, as it turns out. Um, it's the only game I've ever speedrun. <laughs> um, speedrun Resident Evil 2, that's crazy. Yeah, no, right, yeah, yeah, for, for a bit there, like, I just did it for fun. Um, I was just trying to see if I could finish it in less than two hours. And then when I did that, I was like, I bet I could do this in less than 90 minutes. <laughs> um, but no, it's it like just a, such a, a satisfying time, like running around the police station and like picking up all the stuff, shooting, dodging through, weaving and bobbing and 
And, Duke uh, Mania, absolutely. Duke Mania, yeah. Um, <laughs> and I played two first because I was too young when the first one came out to play the first one. Um, and then, like, I was too young to play the second one when the second one came out. But, I was going to say. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, like, my parents got me up because they could tell how excited I was because I kept playing the 10-minute demo instead of other video games. <laughs> and I would be, like, <laughs> looking at the previews in the magazines and going, oh, fuck, this looks fucking amazing. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, like, it's it was, like, the game design, like, it, it was those two games, like, back-to-back because I played them quite close to each other. Um, cause I didn't play FF7 when it first came out. That was just, like, that took me from, eh, video games, that's all right, I suppose, to, like, how do I get more of these things? <laughs> <laughs> like immediately mm-hmm. um so that was that, that was definitely my uh that's definitely my second one on this uh journey of, of like me through video games and also a shout out to resident evil 3 nemesis which i don't care what anyone fucking says people like that game when it came out <laughs> it's they a sure good did. fucking game <laughs> trying to rewrite history over here <laughs> Yeah, acting like everybody was running around high school going stars all the time. Yeah, <laughs> they were. <laughs> so again, a big question for me, Amy, is um, where does the remake sit against uh, the original for you? So, I mean, personally, I prefer the 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 old one, but there is that barrier to mm. entry of: Are you used to tank controls, or are you not used to tank mm. controls? <laughs> like, if you if you're like good with tank controls, this one. If you're not, yeah, Resident Evil Remake, because tank controls are for the fucking worst, like, if you don't know how they work and don't want to learn. <laughs> and, I, and I guess, and I guess as, as so, like, in terms of my Resident Evil experience, I, I played the original, I played 4, I dabbled with 2 and 3, um, but I've never played them properly, fully, from start to finish, including the remake. So, like... Why, why Resi 2 compared to, like, 1 or 4 or 3? It's just the timing. So, 4... I mean, we can have that discussion, but we'll be here for an hour. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, let's not have that talk. Sorry. But, um... Be but ready no. to yeah, <laughs> Again, it was... It's, it's probably the same as FF7, where it was the first one I played, yeah. and I played it at this sort of tipping point of, like, going from kind of like in video games they're all right i suppose but books are better to like no video games are better than books what the fuck are you talking about your dog um, yeah. and then like i lo- like i'd say that resident evil one the remake that came out on gamecube is probably like my favorite resident evil of like the entire series but in terms of like games that had the biggest impact on me it was definitely resident evil 2 I played that game so many times. Like it, may, it always makes me laugh. Like, like you got modern games that are designed from the ground up to be infinitely replayable, and then I'll play them and I can't even finish them once. But like, I could sit down like after this podcast and play Resident Evil Two again, <laughs> very happily, just like and have a good time. <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. The the one thing I'll say about the the remix. So, uh, say so you may not know this because we just met uh but uh scary games are my thing but i can bravely watch other people play through scary games like on, on playthroughs or on twitch or youtube or whatever it happens to be resident evil 2 quite possibly is the grossest looking game i've ever seen in terms of like all the entrails that are coming out of these people and and so on and so forth and uh yeah from from a visceral point of view it's stunning 
uh, I'm sure like from the way they've modernized the, the controls and, and the way the, not necessarily the, the layouts of the, uh, the various uh, levels work, but uh, f- uh, just in terms of that moment-to-moment gameplay and how they've, they've modernized that makes it a lot more approachable for, for new players to jump into. Yeah, the all, all the the viscera that you see, yay, <laughs> it gives you the shiver. So just take that with a pinch of salt. <laughs> you love that uh, RE engine. <laughs> yeah. It's good at blood and guts. <laughs> and showing how hot Leon S. Kennedy is. <laughs> That dude. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a running joke. He's my favorite backstreet boy. The things that man does is <laughs> jumping up and down, suplexing left people left and right. <laughs> Where's everybody going? Bingo. Exactly. <laughs> He's got the hair for it. So. He sure does. All uh, right, cool. So that was mine. Sadie. Sadie. Okay, um, so, um, you know, just to keep up with you guys, I'm going to go all the way from 1985 to 1987. Hell yeah. <laughs> okay, but I think this one is going to be a more recognisable name, because um, even though it began its life in 1987, it kind of carried on its life through to 1983. And this is um, Bubble Bobble 2, uh, otherwise known as Rainbow Islands. Um well, I think it's full title is the Bobby Bubble Boy Bubble Bobble Two. Sorry, the story of Rainbow Islands. Um, so um, a lot of people have Bubble Bobble as one of their like most influential games. Um, I liked it. I remember being into it on my Amiga and thinking, you know, I'm never going to beat this game. How do you ever get to the hundredth level? But um, it was never like um, you know life stopping in terms of like you know this is the only thing I'm going to be doing for the next week of my life. Rainbow Islands was 100% drop everything. This game is now what I do um, to me as a kid. And um, I remember, um, uh, I think I was eight years old. I'd seen reviews about it in Amiga magazines and I was pestering my mum, like, I need this game. I need this game, Um, which I can't imagine as an eight-year-old how annoying I must have been. But um, uh, the, the, the thing that really I want to kind of, hone in on because um actually i am i've been on a pod another podcast sorry to plug a different podcast but the cane and rinse um podcast which um kind of digs extensively into one game each show and they invited me to talk about rainbow islands and i really think if anyone wants to hear more about that game that's a really good listen if you just ignore the bits i'm on it for um but um in terms of rainbow islands um the thing that I really want to kind of highlight is like it got me thinking about how you make games um, because the the kind of programming behind it was just out- outrageous. Um, to kind of distill that into two two key things. It's a, it's a platformer where you scroll upwards, a bit like Ice Climbers, um, and you're trying to collect um, crystals along the way. Now, the way to collect crystals is to use your rainbow, which is something that you kind of shoot from your hand, um, and it just stays in the world. And you can, like, jump on that rainbow to kill an enemy beneath it, or you can put an enemy above it by hitting it up. And then you get the crystals, depending, um, they'll fall down to the ground somewhere. Now, depending which horizontal slice, and I'm trying to do this on the screen, of the screen they fall in, they'll be a different colour. So, like, the red ones will be here on the left, orange ones, and the little, then the whole rainbow across. And that is just like scratching the surface of the absolutely 
outrageous, ridiculous programming that's in this game. It's just um, an absolute programming masterpiece. And even at like eight or nine, I was like, you know, starting to see these rules like popping up and being like, wow, this game is just crazy. Like, uh, and then I remember coming back to maybe like 15, 16 and starting to see all the lists of all the ways different things worked in this game. And it's just a silly platformer with rainbows, but it's nuts in terms of how hard it is. It's incredible in terms of how well programmed it is. Um, it's unlike most other platformers of its time. Um, and it's honestly, like to me, still one of the most unique video games I've played. And again, talking like Repton is a game that kind of got me into gaming. This one got me thinking a bit more about how people make games. And even though it's not the end of the career that I've ended up in, it did get me thinking, like, I would quite like to make games. Um, and, um, I, you know, again, I probably wouldn't be working in the games industry if it wasn't for a game like Rainbow Island, which just showed me, like, how cool it is to get to work on something like this and, and you know, be a part of it, even if it's not maybe making it. Um, but, you know, uh, yeah, so it's a huge, huge game for me. And if you haven't played it, um, don't go play any of the, like, future versions. Go play the original um, go find it on um, a, a, a system where it's kind of as visually resplendent as possible. And I promise you, you won't be disappointed if it still holds up really, really well. Good game, that's Souls awesome. Never Age. That's my, that's my, that's my theory. <laughs> mm -hmm. so, and, and, and I guess the shame with it as well is that that series just did not really come back ever properly. Like there was a, a sequel to that game parasol stars which did quite well was well reviewed but bubble bubble has never really been as huge as it was back in that day you know, they were puzzle bubble and they've been you know releases even i think a, a, a new bubble bubble came out recently which did some things but i don't think that series has ever quite caught the fire like it did before and i really think that's a shame because it's honestly just very cool the original bubble bubble is really cool puzzle bubble is really cool these are very good games and it'd be awesome if um there's a way for them to come out of resurgence one day at least just for me just do it for me please Titan. <laughs> i think it's a reasonable ask to be fair yeah that sounds uh, totally reasonable one question i had so uh one thing i well i have kind of gathered through, through the ether about uh games from from that era is that they were difficult because many of them had arcade releases first and they were designed to be difficult in a way to to extract your 20 pence or quarter or whatever it happens to be kind of thing did this have an arcade release or was it just difficult because difficult <laughs> no no 100 percent, it did and i think it was a bit more forgiving than a lot of arcade releases that became um that became games so um in Rainbow Islands, funny enough, everything is around the number seven. There are seven stages to complete. And the first two stages are really kind of quite gentle and easy. And then the game suddenly rapidly goes off in difficulty to the third one. And then by the fourth stage, it's just really hard. And the game is absolutely designed to get you deep into it. And then you're like, oh, no, I'm dead. Yeah, put another quarter in and keep going. Um, but I think as well, beyond that kind of like, natural arcade difficulty just the mechanics itself are really interesting you know like a lot of platformers at that time followed the kind of mario mold mm -hmm. of um, characters jumping on enemies or you know even sonic um has that kind of um similar similar system um in rainbow islands you don't jump on the enemies you jump on rainbows that then go fall on the enemies or you knock them with rainbows up into the sky or you hit them with the rainbow which fires out of your hand at an arc and then you use the rainbow to 
like go through the level as well. You're literally climbing the rainbows and jumping up by climbing these rainbows. Um, and it's, again, I just, I think uh, the difficulty of just like, this is not like other platformers made it really interesting. You had to think differently playing Rainbow Islands than you did to other platformers. It was a really good cerebral challenge to beat that game. And I've only done it a few times. Um, uh, yeah, and I, I could honestly spend hours talking about it. Go listen to that, that podcast if you want to hear more. I'll find it and dig it out and, and I'll put it as a link in the description. Hell yeah. If I can't find it, I'll just ask where it is. <laughs> <laughs> you might get a message. <laughs> ah, come and find this podcast. And, help. <laughs> and just in general, Kane and Rinse is a really, really good podcast run by a bunch of excellent people. They they dig into a video game each episode and it's honestly one of the most cerebral, brilliant podcasts out there. They've been going for a while. Um, do check them out. Great stuff. It's Cool. Uh, yeah, so a uh, bit, of, bit of background to this one. So we had video games in the house uh, when, uh, like, in the very early 90s. So as I alluded to before, we had a, uh, a Commodore Amiga 500. Uh, we also had a Mega Drive 2 that may or may not have fallen off the back of a van at some point. Somebody went to jail. We were, we were never told who, but we were told, right, we, no, no more video games on this person because they, they went away. I said, okay, okay, no worries then. But then... Uh, high school rolled around and uh, growing up in an Asian household, and this may be true of other households as well, but I didn't grow up in any of those. They were like, okay, video games bad, studying good. So no more video games. And I was like, oh, okay. And identify. Yeah, these th- 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 be the rules. <laughs> so uh, I didn't play, I didn't, uh, I had a break from, from gaming from like 95 all the way through to when I started university. And uh, I remember my. <laughs> The very first thing I ordered from Amazon back in 2003 was a PlayStation 2 because I was like, you know, I, I really like video games. Let's get, let's get back into it. The other thing that developed during my time when I wasn't playing games was my love for all things racing and motorsport. And then mm. uh, all I heard about was uh, a series called Gran Turismo and how incredible it was and how realistic it was and the breadth of all the cars and the real life circuits and uh, all these events you can do. I was like, all right then. So... The very first uh, game I picked up for my PS2 was Gran Turismo 3 A-Spec. However, the game I want to talk to you about today was uh, its sequel that released in 2004 was Gran Turismo 4. Uh, So uh, at this time, this was a sequel to the much-beloved GT3. Uh, goes without saying. But this was the game which got me and all my friends who were at uni and we were all reading a same course centered around motorsport. So it was just a, a perfect match of... All of our passions combining and we'd all get around and we'd do the insanely long 24-hour races and we'd do them live and we'd swap out drivers and all the rest of it. And we would come into lectures the next day and we would talk about all the races we did and all the, the cars that we uh, we we had purchased with all the credits and so forth. And even our uh, lecturers who were race car drivers. So we would go spanner for them by the weekends at the events they were running. They were into the game as well. And the first thing they'd, they'd come in and start their lectures off with was, okay, who's done that Nürburgring 24-hour race? <laughs> She even put her hands up and says, yeah, lots of pizza fueled that race, but we managed to do it kind of thing. But uh, that was a game that kind of centered my love of motor racing with my love of video games. And that is still, the for me, the, the peak of the, the franchise. I think with GT7, even though I've sunk like 300 hours into that game, it's a pale comparison of what it used to be. And I think that's a result of uh, Kazuno Yamachi-san really wanting to make uh, Gran Turismo into an esports title rather than what it used to be for uh, people who are more orientated towards single-player games and things like that, which is a shame, but 
these are the way of the world. But uh, yeah, that time and place, and uh, I that was the very first game I bought the the wheels and the pedals for, and all the rest of it. And uh, yeah, that was a special special time. So that that game will always make uh, well again have a very special place in my heart. And it even informed the music I was listening to back then because the soundtrack was so influential. Ooh. And uh, yeah, it was just a a, a real nice uh, accumulation of uh, of all things all things that go brum in the night. <laughs> Exactly. I used to. I used to. I, I love it. I still listen to the to the the Gran Turismo One soundtrack sometimes. Mm. <laughs> some of the the not the the licensed stuff, but some of the actual like music from the from the game. I like, oh yeah, it yeah. Still gets stuck on my head. <laughs> yep. They loved a bit of like uh, cafe lounge jazz. Yeah, there's like this one guitar track that you used to play, and it's like yeah. I can still, mm-hmm. I can probably hum it. <laughs> yeah, Moon Over the Castle is still such an absolute banger of a song. Uh, yeah, and they and they re- they bring it back for every single Grotrismo, and uh, yeah, it's just as special now as it as it was back then. And I I really liked Grand Turismo Three, um, which I think was probably for a lot of people PlayStation Two. Like that was the driving game that they played rather yeah. than Four, which was even even though Four was reviewed really really well and it was really pretty popular, but Three was mm-hmm. like that game. And that soundtrack is killer on that on that yep. game. Like you had uh, what feeder and muse, yep. I think, as well. Mm-hmm. Like what a soundtrack? Jeez, it's not even a back. Um, I, I was listening to those bands the other day. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So I think now is probably a good time to take a quick half time. This is the thing we do now, and I always forget to warn everybody who comes on who's not Vitz and Rudy, <laughs> where halfway through the podcast, we take a break because people might need to pee and do other things, um, and I hit pause on the recording. And we always denounce it, even though it's just a quick cut, um, because we're professionals. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to take a quick break. She said it with conviction, everybody. She said well, it with conviction. <laughs> one day. One day. <laughs> Uh, and and we'll be back in in a second. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm I'm excited to hear some of your choices, Amy. Honestly, I can't wait. Oh, uh, I mean, we're still in the fairly normal phase. It's more towards okay. the end where it starts getting a bit more. She doesn't really. It, I just like to build these things up. Anyway, where are we? Number three. Ah, yes. Yeah. So. Yes. So we've got two pieces of the puzzle. The game, the game that was like, oh, stories and video games. And then number two, which was like, oh, game design and video games. But there's a missing piece of the puzzle, which is when when did I start realizing that there were certain games out there where I would just not shut the fuck up about them? <laughs> <laughs> Leading to all of this <laughs> in a roundabout way. And that, that game came out in 2001. And it was called Silent Hill 2. (laughs) That is an Amy-ass Amy Amy game. (laughs) Oh, fuck yeah. It's like, oh, you thought Final Fantasy VII's story was deep and dark? And Silent Hill 2 just came along and wiped its ass with it. (laughs) Which sounds like something Silent Hill 2 would actually do. But We'll find out in the remake. (laughs) Well, I don't want to talk about the remake. But <laughs> no, like this is another one I played so many on my Xbox, like because I had a weird journey through video game consoles. I had a, I went from a PlayStation to an Xbox and Silent Hill 2 came out on that, which was good because I really liked the first one. But 
the way like the story is um and like the revelations that occur <laughs> in regards to the character that you're playing um and then just the way the game works and and the way it's like psychological horror instead of like the the resident evil style like b movie like style like schlock horror mm. or just like the 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 jump scare horror where it's like a thing comes out of a, a thing goes blah, 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 and you go ah but then it's not really that scary <laughs> and whereas silent hill 2 like just very slowly just gets under your skin to the point where things that aren't really that scary terrify you <laughs> like oh a long hor- a long hallway with nothing in it <laughs> and nothing will happen in this long hallway but you go I'm sure it'll be fine. I want to walk down there. <laughs> I think I'm just going to say, I'm just going to save and, and leave the room yeah. for you, several days. I'm sure it'll be fine. You got first, Amy. I'm just saying, I'm <laughs> yeah. sure it'll be fine. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, yeah, right, uh, Silent Hill 2. That was, that was the first like game where I was incessantly talking about Silent Hill to everybody all the time. Like, you know, I didn't have blogs or. or youtube channels or anything like that at the time so my friends in real life just had to put up with me going on on, going on about it (laughs) um but no that was that was the first sort of if 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 the youtube channel if youtube had been a thing that would have been my my first video would have been about silent hill (laughs) 2 I'm just imagining all your friends trying to, you know, interrupt you talking about Silent Hill. I'm podcasting right now, and like, you're my listener. Look, like, just okay. chill out. <laughs> uh-huh. Look, we're going to talk about this, okay? Look, we need to talk about the Pyramid Head for another three hours, right? <laughs> <laughs> so shut up. <laughs> Get some um, popcorn. <laughs> so, so not so watch Silent Hill movie, because that was not a good movie. <laughs> we don't, no, we don't talk about that. <laughs> So I don't have I don't have loads to add about about Silent Hill uh, to except to say that I used to be on a podcast with um, a lovely guy called Joseph Delia and it, he, Silent Hill Two was his absolute favorite game. He would not stop talking about it like you, Amy, and he would tell me to play it all the time. And I'd like you to know, Joe, just somehow let's say you're you're watching and listening to this that I now work for the company that is you know behind Silent Hill uh, and Silent Hill Two and all the other Silent Hill games in the remake, and I've not yet played Silent Hill Two. Huzzah! <laughs> <laughs> I intend to, um, and I uh, it, it's a great pick. You're pretty proud of it. You got the three, the three foundational puzzle pieces of what makes me tick. There you go. <laughs> and that was the third one. Um, cool. So, Sadie. Brilliant. Um. So I actually can't remember what year this was made. I think in my head I've got 1993. Um, uh, but uh, we've already had, we've already had one Zelda, Zelda title, and I think I've probably given it away now. Yes. Um, but we this obviously came out after a Link's Awakening, uh, and uh, was the one and only Zelda game on the Super Nintendo, and that was Legend of Zelda: A Link to the Past. According, um, to, according and... to Google, it was 1991. Really, that old? Okay, wow, crazy. Google, Google might really be wrong. Have... It's wrong a lot these days. <laughs> no, that I think that's probably accurate. I think, in, just in my head, I was maybe a, a touch older when I played it. Maybe oh. I, I played it at nineteen ninety-two. It was ninety-two in Europe and North America. It was ninety-one. In yeah. Europe. So that I think that tracks. I probably did play it in nineteen ninety-three, uh, most likely when I was about ten or eleven years old. Um, I remember um, playing with my cousins. Um, I, I brought my Super Nintendo with me to my cousins, and we just played it through Christmas holidays. Um, 
And it's the, the area where, you know, you're calling up Nintendo hotlines to try and help you with puzzles that you can't yes. solve. Um, uh, I mean, I, I'm, I don't think I'm going to say anything that hasn't already been said about this game. This is one of the most beloved, well-known video games. I think what I will say is that um, I'm personally, I have not really resonated with where Legend of Zelda has gone. Um, I, I, I think Breath of the Wild is a great game. Um, I don't see it personally like some other people do, where they like they might put it on this list, for example. Um, to me, Zelda like has been its best, or like like the most enjoyable for me um, as a, as a gamer um, in this era. Like, um, and I don't know something about this kind of the purity of this game, the top down, um, the, the 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 intelligence of the puzzles, the creativity of the two worlds, um, just how it felt like every little pore of this game had been thought about really in so much detail um every little patch you could walk into um that speaks to me and um i do think even beyond it being on this list that for me it's just fundamentally one of the best games ever made yeah 100 percent. yeah when when you said uh zelda because i picked up my phone to be ready to google and as soon as you had said Zelda in 1993, I was already typing Link to the Past. <laughs> yeah. That's how I got the answers so fast. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think the thing the thing that's kind of resonated with a lot of our early answers already is this is a game I really enjoyed playing with other people and and then experiencing with them and like you know, um, it's actually kind of the almost the the antonym, the opposite to what you were saying. But it's like this yeah. was something I, I I played with my cousins around me and we were all glued to the screen and even though only one of us had the controller, we were all like. Go that way. No, you solve the puzzle doing this, and no, we got to find this sword, or we got to find this, you know, shield. Um, it's just such a strong memory um, for me, and it'll never ever leave um, my my heart, my soul, and of course, this game has to be on my list. That's fantastic, and there's a uh, a fairly decent uh, port of it available on the Switch Online service, uh, so you can play that. And obviously, with the way that works it kind of works like playing games through an emulator if you've allegedly tried those in the past where you can save at any point and rewind and, and things like that so uh yeah that, that's an option that's available to you um and if you if you also another thing you can do is play the 3ds game a link between worlds which is a, an yes. amazing modern uh, homage uh it's it's basically a links to past 1.5 and it's brilliant for it that's a amazing pick oh hell yeah thank you hand it over to you after just that little Ooh. like easy title to follow on from you know. <laughs> yeah uh yeah so I, when we when we last picked up with myself we were talking about uh how we first got our playstation 2 and picked up gt4 and uh, now we're moving 2006 which i consider the swan song year of the the ps2 uh there's a couple of titles in here but the first one is shadow of the colossus I kind of want to twin pack this with Eco as well, but for the, for the rules that I've set myself for, for this list, it's Shadow of the Colossus. And this game took my breath away in a number of ways, how it was completely different to everything else that was uh, out there uh, on the market at the time in terms of you are, uh, for all intents and purposes, alone in this world. And your only companion is Aro the horse. And you're in a position where you're doing anything in the world to to bring back uh your last love mona uh mono sorry and it's one of these where because there is so little dialogue and whatever dialogue is there is in a language which you don't understand you're uh, projecting a lot of the story onto yourself and you're trying to fill in these gaps and 
uh, you're in this desolate world where fair enough there's some lizards to chase at some of the some of the shave shrines and things like that but it's you and and 16 of these uh beautiful colossi and they're so integrated in the design and they're all varied and they all have different uh, mechanics in the way that they work and how you take them down and the way that story progresses and how some of the other characters who are introduced in the prologue come back and kind of shift your perspective on Oh, you're the bad person in this game. You're 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 the ones uh, doing this, and you're going to pay uh, pay a terrible price. And how, in my mind at least, it works as a sequel to Eco, uh, with uh, yeah, how it ends up and things. And if Eco is a story about, uh, oh, for me at least, how love kind of blooms, it's uh, what happens when that love dies, kind of thing, and what it, what lens you go to 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 bring that back and. There's a bit with Arrow the horse, and obviously throughout your journey together, you have an intense bond with uh, uh, the horse itself. And uh, they befall some tragedy, or at least it does. It seems so on the surface. And I've never done a let's fucking go when he when he comes back at the end. Obviously, the state in which he comes back with my my uh, housemates at the time were are keen to point out. Yeah, they're not recovering from that from that uh, injury, but it didn't matter to me kind of thing. We just got to spend some more time with them and. Uh, you know they're they're happy in the in the garden at the at the top of the tower at, at the end and yeah the the soundtrack is incredible and uh so another thing that resonated with me a, a lot through this list is the the quality of the soundtracks of these games and video game music is something that i adore uh since day one even from like uh hearing yoko shimomura's arrangements on street fighter 2 and things like that and all those iconic tracks and uh, yeah, Shadow of the Colossus has uh, another stellar one, and it's uh, it's random how how many times those themes will just pop into your head when you're doing the most mundane tasks. It's like you want to make doing the, uh, washing up the dishes heroic, then put that soundtrack on, and you can feel like you can take down a colossi yourself. And uh, yeah, it's amazing. Uh, there are several uh, ports and remakes available. The last one I think done by the fabulous people at Bluepoint, uh, and go and check that out. I intend to. It's on my. It's high on my list because I've never played. Shadow. And I, I've I was... got to send you Nick Sutton's book that he wrote over it uh, as well, which is a really good companion yeah. piece. Yeah, I was sat on the couch watching a friend play it on PS2 years and years ago. But it's time for me to to play it myself. Mm -hmm. I I came back to it late, Amy, and uh, it hundred percent holds up. Um, I think. Uh, the best thing I, the best praise I could give it, um, is that um, to me, like it's a game where if you talk about it now, someone would say, "Oh, so that was like a digital download, right?" Because no one would make that a fully fledged retail game. And you're like, mm. 2006, baby, someone could get away with making this game um, and putting it on a disc because um, tours existed and they could make games like this. Yeah, and we, we just and the team knocked it out of the park. I did play the it's last guy. <laughs> So I, I am aware yeah. of how good that team is. Absolutely. Great um, choice. Thank you. <laughs> so my story starts going now, right? Because so you've got story, you've got game design, you've got won't shut the fuck up about a game. <laughs> and then in 2005 slash six, I can't remember the exact year it was, I bought my first graphics card for a computer and I was a PC gamer. <laughs> oh, nuts. Oh, totally. Like, exactly. yeah, you know, 100%. Um, and I learned how to install it and did all that stuff. And then I was like, cool, this whole new world of games is open up to me. And I 
it's two games, but the headline is I played Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines and Ooh. I learned what an immersive sim is. <laughs> yeah. And I found nice one. I was home. <laughs> like I <laughs> I don't know, like it's the best way to describe like my, my first sort of foray into the immersive sim genre where it was just like this is everything I need out of a video game. <laughs> like the other game was Deus Ex. I played that right after. Um that tracks. <laughs> yeah, which is like a it's like a hell of a hell of a one two punch. Um and immersive sims are just so fucking good. Like I like it's it's like as someone who like says a lot of words about games, um on the internet like I I like struggle to to ex- express my love of immersive sims because it's so like mundane sounding. It's like I get disappointed when windows don't work in video games. <laughs> like if I can't <laughs> smash a window and climb in through it, like I'm instantly just a little, a little bit let down. <laughs> like um. And Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines was such a revelation where it was just like, you know, it's these different hubs and you like, you don't need a map because everything is like, like everywhere you need to go in this, in this map is like, it's, 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 it stands out, right? It's like, oh, like you have some character will tell you, oh, you can you go to this, uh, this apartment building? And I'm like, yep, I'm already on it. And I can walk there without like having to check a map, which is good because it didn't, the game didn't have one. <laughs> <laughs> And then just like the way like worlds interconnect and like levels and it's like you can approach something from like 20 different directions and you can fight or you can sneak or you can hack this computer or you can uh, to, to bring prey the game I just played into this. You can just like carry turrets everywhere. <laughs> and, <Wow>. just, <laughs> and just don't you, you don't even know fight things yourself. And like that to me is like peak like game. Like that's what I want to do in every single video game. I want to carry turrets everywhere and not have to shoot anything. Thanks. Also, so that's, a, that's what I need. <laughs> that, that too, but <laughs> I, I like that. That's just your basis for your uh, platform that you stand on. That Amy wants to carry turrets everywhere. <laughs> that's a yeah, line in the sand. <laughs> I want to. I want to break all the windows. <laughs> and I want to carry all the turrets. <laughs> and Both I want to do Amy. as little as possible. <laughs> I've I've never played. I I I know I need to. Um, it's funny enough, really randomly, but we were talking about Vampire the Masquerade at work today, and I'm just amazed that we're now talking, talking about, about it yeah. in this podcast. Uh, it's a very yeah. difficult game to play. Unfortunately, it was um, rushed out of the door to to be the first non Half Life Two Source Engine game, so it wasn't finished, and then the studio got closed down. Um, so you have to use mods to to actually make it function properly. <laughs> The the series continues, right? We had a recent release. Is that not is that correct? Am I am I wrong about that? Uh, the the second one hasn't come out yet. <laughs> oh, is that the game that they're talking about coming out? Is that the one? Yeah, I don't know. I'm, 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 I might. There's a there's a sequel, um, which I think I talked about a little bit last week. Yeah, I think for, for yeah. correct me if I'm wrong. I think it's been vaporware for a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines like opens up a whole world of like this genre of games that is now like, like the like so you know how you know how like some people will be like a game in a, a series comes out like Moody with Pokemon where it's like it don't matter like what the reviews are or what this is or what that is you'll just buy it 
no matter what. That's me, but with this genre where it's like, oh, someone's releasing an immersive sim. I will download this. I'm already playing. <laughs> Amazing. Love it. As I said, <laughs> over to you. Okay. This is where I'm struggling because um, uh, I've got a, a couple that are sort of I'm not sure about and one that I'm kind of thinking about because, you know, there are games which are very much... Um, you know, games that I loved and games that I think I played so many hours to, but are they the games that really define me? Um, so, like, I'm going to skip ahead and leave a couple of generations behind and catch up the rest of you guys and come up to the PlayStation 2 area. Nice. And, um, yeah, I, I think this is either 2001 or 2002 or 2000. It's around that time. Um, we've already had one Final Fantasy, um, Final Fantasy VII, which... Um, you know, great choice. Um, but fundamentally, my favourite Final Fantasy and, and one of my favourite games of all time is Final Fantasy X. Let's play uh, Blitzball, baby! <laughs> let's play Blitzball. I've talked. I anyone who's followed me in my career through games knows that I love this game and will have heard, heard me talking about how I played this game um, when I was in a, in a bad time in my life, and it really brought me out that bad time. Um, and and help me kind of refine myself. I'm not going to talk about that side. Um, I wanted to kind of hone in on something that has uh, maybe later in life I've come back to and resonated with this game, and that is that I think um, it's really a story of of um, of feminine or female strength um, with its lead character um, Yuna, and I really do think of her as the lead of this game and not Tidus or Titus. Mm -hmm. um, you know, this is ultimately you know, the whole game. Uh, I'm going to call him Titus. Sorry. Scranix. Um, Titus talks, um, you know, about how this is his story, and it's just not. It's just not. It's her story. She is this um, eighteen-year-old summoner's daughter who has been thrust all this responsibility to go and save the world by sacrificing herself. Like, what an incredible thing to take upon yourself! An allegory for war and for you know all the things that we asked of young people to do, and sometimes still do to this day, to go and like themselves out there knowing they will probably die and in her case she knew she was going to die and that was the only way that's the only way you can save the world and even if you do that it will just happen again anyway like you're just forestalling the end of the world and she does it and she barely registers any emotion outwardly about it she's smiley she's bubbly she refuses to like you know let that not be the thing that happens even right through to the end and then at the end of it, all of it, she falls for a, for a man who's not even real. He just he just disappears, and he had, like you know that last scene of her. Sorry, spoilers, massive spoilers. But the last scene of her, you know, <laughs> running to 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 hug Titus and just falling through him is one of the most. Tr I can't watch that scene without crying. Um, it is. I get there's so many memes about the voice acting about you know uh blitzball yeah, yeah. All these but like exactly all this stuff people forget this is but you know in terms of like story and jrpgs it's it's one of the best and for me it's the one that made me kind of like okay holy shit video games like you can you can have me crying for days um and i i just adore it i think i think it's amazing and uh i've pray that it again gets the treatment like Seven has. So, and I'm getting yeah. a Tyrion worked up talking about it, so I'm going to stop. 
None of, I, I think it's a, it's a beautiful choice, and I think one of the uh, one of the great things about it is the first Final Fantasy title that featured voice acting uh, for for the cutscenes and things, and I think that helped a lot of people relate to everything that was going on and gave uh, some context to to the tone that uh, was uh, was being said in in the various lines. Uh, yeah, it, it's one that I haven't got round to yet, but uh, it's definitely one on my list and. Uh, I hear amazing things about Ten Two as well, and the whole dress fear system and things like that. And uh, Yuna's character change that she goes through in terms of uh, you know where she goes from uh, being the character that she is in Ten to where she ends up in being Ten Two with uh, the the rest of the band and, and things like that. And Someone gives her a gun. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I think uh, Final Fantasy Twelve was my first Final Fantasy, but I think had I played Ten first, that would be. Uh, I think that would be one of my favorites uh, for, for sure going forward. Um, I have strong opinions about Ten Two, which I won't get into here. But I think um, one of the amazing things about that that anecdote you're saying about the uh, the voice acting. Um, again, I've already spoiled it for you. And I really apologize, Vince. Oh, it's okay. But, um, in that final scene, I was describing um, uh, where you know goes through this kind of holographic ghost to Titus that he's disappearing and go to go basically into the ether. Um, and in the Japanese original dub, uh, Yuna says, thank you. Um, but the English dub, they made a choice, which you wouldn't say in Japan in a Japanese game like this. You just, not in this time, but they made the choice to change that to I love you. Mm. And it's just, I'm actually getting emotional just talking about it. It's, uh, it's honestly, that I can't imagine that scene anyway, other than the other way. It's beautiful. It is, yeah. Honestly, if you haven't played at Final Fantasy X, go into it with an open mind. Ignore you know, memes around voice acting, yeah. ignore that the voice acting isn't that even that good. It isn't that good. The game is spellbinding. Great stuff. That's my choice. It's, I had it uh, over to you before I start crying. No, no. <laughs> it's all good. Uh, carrying on the Square Enix train, uh, we go to 2006, and uh, we are going to marry Square Enix with Disney in the sequel. Oh, Kingdom Hearts! Yes, wow. favorite games of all time. It is Kingdom Hearts 2. And uh, I think this is where a lot of my positive deposition comes out into. Uh, many people know me as an eternal optimist, foolhardly so. And I think this is the game that uh, made me that way. And, it, and it's it, bad romances and rad romances all the way down with, uh, with Sora and Riku and, and Kairi and all the rest of it. And it. Uh, so I played the, the original. Uh, later than when it came out just at the time i bought my ps2 and things like that and uh kingdom hearts 2 was the one that i was there for for launch day and uh you know reading all the magazines you got to read copy uh, issues of edge and things and they'd have like I previews still, and... i still collect edge yeah, <laughs> yeah. and you'd see uh and you see the artwork that was coming out for this game and you'd see uh you know his majesty king mickey there with, with uh, the rest of the gang and uh sora and donald and you'd think of them as your dear friends because of the journey that you went through and uh, what Sora and the gang go through in that game and uh, all the, the original worlds that they uh, return to and the new worlds that they, they come across and the improvements of uh, that game itself, from especially from the first one, which could feel clunky, is I think is a, is a kind way of putting it. Uh, and just the way the soundtrack works and how all of the... Uh, all of the Disney worlds that you go to, they have obviously their own uh, arrangements, and it's a uh, instead of a condensed retelling of the story. And like for for some of the worlds, they they go through. Okay, what would happen next? 
And uh, for sure, most of these Disney sequels, uh, like in a straight to VHS kind of world, not even DVD at that point of view. But uh, for many of the Disney properties, that was my first uh, exposure to them. Uh, so, yeah, even though the voice actor who plays uh, Homer J. Simpson is voicing the genie in Agrabah kind of thing, obviously that's sacrilege to say because, you know, it's Robin Williams kind of thing who, who's supposed to be the, the real one. But that, that was my first exposure to it. And, you know, that, that was me and that's my experience. Uh, yeah, Kingdom Hearts 2 remains one of the most special games uh, to me. And uh, as a fan of the team over at Kind of Funny and seeing Snowbike Mike play through the first Kingdom Hearts and absolutely loving it, uh, they are about to start their journey in Kingdom Hearts 2 uh, soon. After he made all of chat watch a four-hour breakdown of Chain of Memories. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're about to start Kingdom Hearts 2, and I can't wait to see uh, his uh, face and all of his emotions that he goes through, because, yeah, it is one of the most special games. Let your heart be the guiding key, which I know is from the third one, but I still relate to this one. <laughs> it's a good saying. Um... Yeah, that, that I was expecting you to say Final Fantasy XII when you said 2006 and, you know, um, you just said you'd played it, but Kingdom Hearts 2, there you go. Yeah, I mean, the, uh, 2006 was an absolute swan song for the for the PS2, because then God of War 2 released in that year as well. But uh, yeah, for, for the one for the one that pulls on my heartstrings, it's Kingdom Hearts. Nice. I just sent you a video yes, you, what you should watch after this podcast. I've received it. <laughs> <laughs> um, damn. How do, I, how do I follow these... With heart the with the hope and the optimism that I put on the table, he take it away. <laughs> these heartfelt, emotional, emotional, um, like you know, like you put you you've both put your hearts out there, and you you know, like so I'm I'm gonna talk about shooting people, <laughs> like <laughs> like a lot of people. <laughs> um, <Nice>. so. <clears throat> This game didn't come out the like, like I played this game the year it came out, but I'm talking about sort of like a few years after, um, where like I moved around a lot after university, um, mm. and you know like, <clears throat> you know we we you have to keep in touch with people, and one of the ways I kept in touch with people was playing video games, and the main with them, I should say with keep you know multiplayer yeah. games, and the main game that I associate with that would be Halo Three, um. Not not even my favorite. Not even my favorite in the Halo series, but like probably the most personally resonant because <clears throat> I just remember all those times in like Xbox party chat um, and all the nights we'd play like Halo Three, um, shooting everybody. Like we got really good at that game because <laughs> we played it too much. <laughs> but yeah, there's not really like a deeper sort of significance to it. It's just video games for me partially um i've also like as, as well as everything else i've talked about and as all i've always been sort of a way to keep connected with people mm -hmm. um halo 3 is probably the biggest part of that but i mean like you how many games could i throw into that list like the original left for dead or modern warfare um mm -hmm. or like fast forward through so i actually wrote a bunch of them down where i could fast forward through time to games like that that we've played now like among us so overwatch that i used to play a lot phasmophobia and maybe lethal company <laughs> 100 <laughs> but but halo 3 was sort of like the first like play it as many nights as like i could <laughs> with with mm -hmm. friends and like i had a partner at the time and like she would just sit there and watch and like we get it we'd, we'd set it up so she could have her own headset and chat with with us while we were playing and stuff. It was a it was just an awesome sort Ooh. of setup that we had going on. 
Oh, I love that. That's cool. I think game I mean, game could be. Was... Sorry, carry on. No, no, you go, you go. Uh, I was just going to say, so uh, games can be a lot of things to many different people. They can be your friends. They can be the conduit to to connect with your friends. They can be your parents in some in cases. In some instances, they can be your therapist. And uh, I think it's beautiful in the in the different ways that I have uh, one of those coming up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's just it's beautiful in the way that that games can uh, can bring us all together. And even is to to shoot some aliens in the face. It's uh, it's a wonderful thing. <laughs> oh yeah, it shot shot so many people. Oh my god, so many people. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, aliens, mostly aliens. It's okay. No, they were um, all, they were all the Master Chiefs. <laughs> Everybody looked like oh, those, okay. Spartan, those Spartans had it coming. <laughs> I tried. I tried. Um, I mean, I can. I I remember where I was when Halo Three came out. Was living in in West London, and they were making that giant mural in the Westfield shopping centre of, of Master Chief. And um, that always sticks to me just as a reminder of just how freaking big that game was. Like, it was huge. It was the biggest game it was meant to be of, 20, of 2007. Um, and it was, you know, just... I think it was 2007 or 2008, was, maybe. Yeah, I, I but either way... Game. Oh, nice. But yeah, like, just uh, everyone was playing it. That's what I remember. Everyone was playing Halo 3. Yeah, I remember the commercial that came out with that where they... I think it was for Halo 3 where they made the diorama. Yep, and it was, it was the the, the panning shot of it going through with the the tiny camera, and yeah, it was amazing. Halo Halo trailers, fucking some of those Halo trailers. <laughs> mm. <laughs> the trailer for Halo Reach, which I first saw in the middle of a football match uh, in a pub, um, and I was like, God damn! <laughs> like you fucking got me, you got me right here with that trailer. <laughs> Holy shit! <laughs> I love Amy just being like, Okay, we don't need to watch the second half of this game. Run, run that, run that like, back on like football. Can we, re- <laughs> yeah. can we rewind that? <laughs> and yeah, so Halo Three, um, mm-hmm. and over to you, Sadie. So, um, again, because I'm just, I'm still humming and ahhing about some of my choices, I'm actually going to go miles into the future now um, uh, and take us to, um, I think, specifically 2019. Um, but this is really is difficult. I'm kind of going to maybe work this out as we talk through whatever I'm going to talk about the game as a whole or specifically this one expansion for it. Um, so the game itself is Final Fantasy fourteen. Um, yes. I feel like we've been talking about Grey and Nick, so we have to talk about Final Fantasy XIV. Um, and I'm kind of honing in on the particular expansion, which is Shadowbringers. Um, now, uh, people probably are very aware of Final Fantasy XIV having had this, you know, re- remarkable resurface that came out. And I remember playing the original, um, having played Final Fantasy XI, having been a kind of a kind of low-key MMO player who put quite a bit of time to World of Warcraft, quite a bit of time to EverQuest 2, but never, like, lots like anyone else had. Like, I'd get to a fairly high level and then stop. Um, and then I came to Final Fantasy XIV, and I was like, wow, this doesn't look very good. Um, and then it had the Realm of Real treatment. And I came mm-hmm. back in at about um, 2018, I think it was. And holy crap, that game just, just, just took over my life. And I think the revelation for me is it realising that even at my ripe old age... Um, that a game can do that to me still, that I can become huge, just overwhelmingly consumed. And I surfed through those expansions uh, and, uh, you know, got to the end of Stormblood and Shadowbringers was coming out. And I thought, well, it's not going to get better than this. And Shadowbringers is ultimately, for me, one of the best Final Fantasies. And it's a travesty 
that people haven't played it because it's an MMO expansion. And I think it speaks to me in particular. It resonates with me because you have Maybe this character. Hiding. So do you do this? That's okay. It's fine. You're not. You're not the only. You're not the only one by by some distance. Uh, it's, it's. I think I'm more frustrated by people who, you know, profess themselves to be big Final Fantasy, you know, nerds. Um, and I, I'm guilty for other games in this series. So I'm being entirely hypocritical and not very serious. But. Um, you know, like they'll say that and I'll say, Have you played Shadowbringers? And they'll say, No, it's Final Fantasy XIV. Like, well, you're lost, you're missing out on this. Um, it is a, a work of, of art in terms of um, its construction. Um, the lead villain is one of the best video game characters ever made yeah. um, in itself. Just, you know, we talked about like Sephiroth already before. Um, we, we talked about, um, you know, Final Fantasy X, and you have Seymour, um, you know, all these games that have big villains. Um, none of them are as deep, as well-constructed and relatable and as sympathetic as Ebert Selk. He, he could belong in any other medium as a well-written villain. Um, yet at the end of the game, you don't know if you've done the right thing. Yeah. Um, even yeah. though the game is like telling you, beating you over the head, yeah, you won, you won. You're there like, I didn't want to kill him though. Mm-hmm. I didn't want him to go. He's, he's, he's not bad, is he? he? Even though he's like, and again, spoilers, he's literally killed thousands of thousands of people but you're like but i get why i get it <laughs> i understand you don't go away and the game somehow and its next expansion makes him even more sympathetic um so um you know i i think the two big things for me for this one it's a game that i realized i can still be addicted to games um you know in a very good way that i can throw my life into you know, when the next expansion Dawn Trail comes out, I'll be there day one taking a week off work. Um, and, you know, Amy will probably message me and not get a reply back for a week. Um, but um, the second side is just this this one expansion. I probably will say Shadowbringers to be specific. It's just brilliant. And it speaks to, like, how I would want to write a game, how I'd want to construct a villain. And I just love everything about it. So, um, yeah. Final Fantasy XIV Shadowbringers. Sorry, I wasn't being rude there. I heard the word spoilers, so I immediately shut my headphones off. Because <laughs> oh, between it's... between you and Fitz hammering me over this game for for like the last two weeks, I've just it's on it's on the spreadsheet now. All right? I've just typed it in. <laughs> I did do fairly big spoilers, so God, you you are one hundred percent right. God, God damn all of you. <laughs> oh, it's a uh, say this. Uh, uh, so I only got into Final Fantasy XIV maybe a year and a half ago. Uh, but yeah, 290 hours later and like racing through the expansions, <laughs> like we've hit the level 90 cap. I know it's, it's slightly more now kind of thing, but it's like, okay, I, I can't wait for Dawn to come out. Uh, yeah, the, the expansions themselves are in many ways better than some mainline entries to the, to the franchise. And it, it's one of these where, yes, there is a, a high barrier to entry. And I, even though, uh, you know, everything from Realm Reborn onwards is, is amazing. I think for the the time commitment that's expected of people to get into a a quote unquote MMO, even though you can play it solo if you wanted to, and it's perfectly viable, and you just need to team up for for the alliance raids and things like that. But uh, yeah, it's such a special experience, and uh, yeah, the the band of characters that they put you through, uh, they be, they become your family at the end of the day, and you do anything for them. But the way the game makes uh, the quote unquote villains. Uh, like like you would lean to, they're, they're so relatable. And as you're questioning uh, the things that you're doing in in the name of uh, you know in the name of celestial beings and things like that, and 
It's a special game. But Amy, I, I spared you the, the rant about the free trial and whatnot. I know it's on your list. <laughs> um, and we'll leave it at that. Think about the fucking free trial one more time. <laughs> the critically claimed MMORPG Final Fantasy XIV. There you go. You can play to... Yeah, the one last thing I'll say about fourteen, um, just to add to to to, to what Viz was saying, is we talked a lot about music already as well, and um, the Open story behind this composer. Matthew, yeah, like he's he's honestly, he's probably one of the best composers working in games right now, mm-hmm. um, if not up the best. And his story of coming back from cancer to create, you know, the soundtrack to Shadowbringers is, is incredible, and you know, some of the music in that game in itself will make you cry. Um, so, um, just a special shout out to him. Uh, 100%. Uh, yeah, I still hear, even though it was many, many hours ago at this point, the the theme to Uldar just going around in my head, and especially the theme that plays <laughs> in the evening, and it's a, it's a little, it's a, it's a chilled out theme, and it starts, and it's just, when that piano just, like, tinkles into, into the, uh, into the song, oh, it's so damn special, but yeah. Amy, you have oh, this yes. all to come at some point, in your own good time, with minimal pestering. <laughs> It's on the list, all right. Yeah. <laughs> I can't remember cool. whose game that, that was. Is... <laughs> that was mine. Sorry, so I handed it over. No, no, to it's, it's all good. Uh, we're gonna skip through to uh, 2011 uh, for a small game that came out from the fine people of Valve, and it's hmm. called Portal Two. Uh, Portal Two is a as, as, as many games on this list, uh, I consider it to be a masterpiece. And uh, the first one is as well. But I think for the way that they uh, kind of switched up the art style and uh, brought it in line with what a uh, what was current gen at the time, and the the story that they told, and everything that was going on with uh, with Glados and all Wheatley uh, came through. And it's a game I can replay endlessly and still find uh, new things and, and new uh, intricacies in in the line delivery and what they did uh, with uh, with some of the characters that you find towards the the, the latter third of the game. Uh, it's it's amazing and it's one of these where uh, everybody talks about the the song that plays at the end of the first one. I happen to prefer the the, the song that plays at the end of this one, like "Want You Gone." But uh, again, it, it's a toss-up, and they, they are both such special experiences. And this game, like many of the great puzzle games, made you feel like a genius every time you solved a solution. And typically, there was only one way to, to solve it. And you can haphazardly find yourself just flinging yourself across the the, the maps to, to, to get to the end zone. But whatever way, uh, whatever way you managed to figure that out, it made you feel so special and i think it was the triumph of video game design as much as anything else that we're trying to achieve and uh that's why it's uh, a game that i've purchased many many times and even though like when i first got my pc i was like right time time to to get portal 2 because it hasn't been remastered for consoles or anything like that kind of thing so i was like okay yeah i'm willing to spend like the 20 pounds it was on steam and then two weeks later it was available for 20 pence and i was like oh well you know <laughs> never mind i'm, I'm happy to, to give them my money on this one this is the part where he kills you is one of the funniest jokes in video games. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> because it, it just pulls in everything. <laughs> Dialogue, chapter, Steam achievements. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I I love Portals. Love it. I, 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 I think, personally, I was considering putting Portal in my list, so I feel like mm. I can now 
take that off at let Portal 2 have its moment. Um, but wow, just uh, to, yeah, both games are stunning and um, totally 100% back it being in this list. Hell yeah. Yeah, we, we like the games that make us feel special and smart. <laughs> yeah. This is, I think, this is the first game that, e- that either of you have brought up that I've played. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> it's one and you I don't have that. to add to the list. I love that for this <laughs> list. <laughs> Yay. We should do the co-op bubble sometime. There you um, go. Amy, wait, hang on. Girl. You've not played a Link's to Past or Link's Awakening? No. Not yet. And oh, I've, my goodness. I've never owned a handheld apart from the PS Vita. Let's continue. <laughs> to be fair, my my first Nintendo system outside of having a Game Boy in the in the nineties was the Switch. So there are many many titles that I was uh, catching up on, including Mario. <laughs> like my... it, it was just it was just a, a thing that just passed my consciousness. My first Zelda were technically would have been um, Ocarina of Time. I didn't play it. I was just in the room for the entire um, game. The first one I actually, I, I actually played was Wind Waker. <laughs> Again, not a bad place to start when it comes to Zelda. Yeah, really true. I think I'm just jealous of you getting to experience these games. So yeah. mm. my first game my first my favorite Zelda is Majora's Mask. It's a very good choice. Just a little bit there of bouncing around the timeline there, but I'm about to light a stick of dynamite anyway, um, and throw it in the Ooh. middle of all of this. Uh, with my next choice, uh, which is came out in twenty ten. My, definitely my favorite RPG of all time. Definitely one of my favorite games of all time. Um, uh, Fallout New Vegas. <laughs> eh? <laughs> the reason I've been mad at Bethesda for 14 years. <laughs> A fire that has not this diminished. Is, is... Not one out. <laughs> it has not. It has gotten brighter. No, like, um, I just want to focus in. Like, I mean, I love everything about Fallout New Vegas. You know, um, I did play it a little bit after launch because I was burned out on the pre on the previous game. So it was one of those things where I was like, I'm not ready for Fallout yet. Um, and I played it on Xbox, and that was a hot. I I don't like playing these games on consoles. <laughs> um, I ended up to returning it and then playing it on PC like much later. Um, but like for one, like there's one specific reason why it stands out, and that is. It was around about the time when, like, choices in video games were, like, the next big thing. Like, everybody was like, oh, these choices, and you can be an evil person, and you can be a good person. And I have a lot to say about morality (laughs) in video games, uh, which is coming in in a video. So I won't bore you with the thousands upon thousands of words that I've written on the subject uh, in this podcast but what i liked about fallout new vegas that i didn't like about a lot of other games choice-based mechanics was that like they gave it presented uh tough choices in a way that like they were they they removed the for want of a better term mass effects blue and red choices <laughs> where it was like do you want to be the good person or do you want to be the bad person whereas this was like hey all of these options suck but they suck in different ways which one do you want and i felt like i was actually having my morality challenges a little bit yeah there's some agency um, about it yeah it was just and and then like you know like the the design of like the quests and and like fallout 3 had a probably was probably a more fun world to explore than fallout new vegas but fallout new vegas pointed you in in all of the right directions um and it, mm. it is a game that i prefer um 
but I'm not, I'm, I'm, and I don't, and I mean, I don't like Fallout 3, but, <laughs> and there's the stick of dynamite I've just <laughs> thrown into the middle of this podcast. I mean, but I get why people like would prefer Fallout 3 or Fallout New Vegas. They are like, f- considering they're from the same series and they came out within two years of each other, they're like night and day. <laughs> I do, I, I do feel like, um, there's a bit of a meme, isn't there, about, um, trans women and fallout um but um i uh and i and i seem to gravitate or at least the meme says they all seem to gravitate more towards new vegas than fallout 3 and i feel a little bit like i betray my my kin uh by being a, a fallout 3 and gal but it would it was one of the contenders for my list. <laughs> it makes me unique it makes me unique but fallout 3 would have been one of the contenders for my list and um i think it's just preference of choice with new vegas or fallout 3 they're both great games yeah and, yeah, totally like, get it. Totally get it. Fallout three, Fallout three. Not to turn this, spin this around into like me talking about something I don't like. Like Fallout, Fallout three isn't a bad game. It's just a game that I don't vibe with. <laughs> like yeah, and I can I can totally, and that's how I feel about New Vegas. Yeah. It's just a game I don't vibe with. But I can tell it's a really good video game. It's it's funny. Yeah, they have completely different design philosophies, which is fa- again, I think I find the contrast of the two games really fascinating. Um, but New Vegas is one of my favorite RPG experiences of of all time, and it made me feel not crazy for thinking that like all of the choice based mechanics in all these games that were coming out at the same time that people were raving about, and I was going, "But they're bad, but they're not very good. Why is everybody? What's <laughs> happening?" And then Fallout New Vegas made me feel slightly more sane. <laughs> um, Amazing. So yeah, for that reason, it was a very impactful game on on me. I guess it brought me back to sanity. <laughs> I'm glad it was there for you. Yeah. <laughs> Thumbs up. There you Thanks go. For you, thank you. <laughs> uh, so Sandy. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um. So I have two choices that I'm certain of, and it's good that we're going for this list because, um, you know, I'm able to kind of tick off some of the. Ones, I think it's more interesting for me to not talk about, you know, maybe Fallout 3 is one of my examples. Um, so I can go to my certain ones. We've not mentioned the series yet. I think we're going back to 2009 uh, or even maybe like 10 when it came to Europe, North America, um, by a little known studio at that time called From Software, um, who um, have gone on to slightly bigger things. Uh, and we are talking about Dark Souls. Um, it might be 2011 that I'm thinking it might be coming out 2010, but anyway. Um, so, um, I used to do a lot of podcasts called Big Red Potion, and um, I remember that there was a, this, I used to do it with some American guys, um, you know, people like Jeffrey Matleff and Brad Galloway and Eddie Inzate. Wait, 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 um, wait, wait, wait. And... somebody called Jeff. Oh, oh <laughs> I don't know about Yeah, I know. Was I know. Was rising. <laughs> Is it Jeffrey, if you can take that? But anyway, um, so, <laughs> yeah. okay. Um, so there was a thing that was happening, especially with American game journalists around the time, where a lot of them were going, hey, do you know this game Dark Souls that is, you know, uh, didn't do that well in Japan, but it's pretty freaking cool. And um, I was like, yeah, sounds pretty bad. Um, and then eventually they persuaded me to play it. And it, it came, I think, via Atlas to the UK in this uh weird box that had a manual that was bigger than most like books that I owned um 
that's the over egging it, but it was a chunky manual because it basically was a guide to play through the game um, from start to finish. Um, I think it, they called it a guide rather than manual, but it, it felt somewhere in between the two to me. Um, but anyway, um, my God, I've never been more impressed by a game on a first instance, like just between Demon Souls. Sorry, I'm talking about Demon Souls and getting Dark Souls mixed up, but Demon Souls gave me that kind of first, you know, m- amazed impression. And then moving to Dark Souls and they turn it into this open world that is just insane like um i think the game the reason why that resonates with me just trying to again a lot of the games i've picked i i I try to sort of take a step back from and 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 think of from a kind of design perspective even though i don't have any experience in that but i like the idea of sort of thinking about how a game's designed and thinking about this dark walls dark souls world where these bits somehow interconnect across this weird vertical axis as well as the horizontal axis. And it is like, I remember this, I, I described it um, um, when I reviewed it, I think a bit like a, a giant house full of like evilness and traps and things. Like it's not like a crackdown, for example, where you have buildings uh, and you only get to play on the roofs of them. You get to like be inside those buildings and go in every room in those buildings. And in each room, there's something weird and wonderful that's going to kill you. Um, and uh you know, I, I, that's what really resonates with me, Dark Souls. I don't need to talk too much about it. It's one of the most famous series now in games. Um, but uh, I think it's probably me, the, probably the most unique game that I love, even though it's now become its own genre. But at the time, there was nothing like it. And uh, I guess as well, like, it, you know, as an old school gamer, um, it was old school gaming, even though it maybe wasn't a cool way to describe it, but ultimately it was played like the games that I played when I grew up. Um, and uh, I loved it for that. I loved that it was unashamed of what it was. It was another one of those games where I was like, at the end of it, that was really cool. I wish I'd made it. <laughs> um, and I, I, I love that game. Damn, I wish I'd thought of this. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? All these talented designers who actually have qualifications and knowledge, damn them. But, um, you know, I just uh, an incredible video game. I, I, I love that pick. Uh yeah, so the the for for me the the whole FromSoft and Soulsborne uh, thing, I I jumped in with Elden Ring, and I happened mm. to, to to complete Elden Ring. I became an Elden Lord. I'm still not sure exactly what an Elden Lord is expected to do or their duties or anything like that, but apparently I'm one of those now. Uh, but yeah, so I I love that the so I've watched uh, Let's Plays of Dark Souls and and Demon Souls as well and. The thing that impresses me the most not only is like the the punishing of difficulty and what the the game expects of you in terms of okay you need to be at this standard and you need to to know these systems uh in and out and you need to recognize that any one of these enemies can mess your day up and they're going to feel good about it too <laughs> and it, and but the the thing that the thing that got me the most is the uh the quote unquote levolution in the way that the environment shifted and shortcuts will open or you'll work your way through an environment and you'll be like, oh, I'm back here. It's like this, uh, this open hub world kind of thing. And uh, yeah, that I'm was... Fly uh, town again. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah I, I'm, I'm more than happy to, uh, to accept the premise that these are some of the best games ever made. And it, it's one of these where it doesn't necessarily have to be for anyone, but it doesn't make it any less special. Yeah. I, I I think that's a really great way of describing it, and and yeah, I, I, you know, um, Dark Souls when I was still uh, writing about games, so I remember going to EGX, which was a very small thing back at that time, 
um, and getting given um, a very cool um, sort of press copy of Dark Souls. It had a like little Dark Souls lighter in it and everything. But the big point being that I got to play the game before it launched. So um, it didn't have any of the kind of like, you know, messages on the floor yeah. where you could get help to go. So I was working out what to do in that game all on my own sim. Um, and so, like, you know, I remember going through a lot of that game and, and finding things and having no idea that if you hit this little bit of a tree right here, oh, there's a whole freaking world behind this tree. Yes. Like, there's literally 10 hours of content behind this stupid freaking tree. No one told me that. There wasn't mm-hmm. anything in the press book about that. So, um, oh, there's a bonfire yeah, behind this wall. Like, God damn it, Dark Souls. <laughs> yeah, illusionary walls, well, I'll get you. <laughs> like, just again it's one of those games where i just take a step back and go like we that was made back in 20 2010 like you know it's just unbelievable that it was a made and b super successful um and like you know it's you're talking about elden ring like how many game copies that sold it's it's crazy how that series has gone it's amazing and um uh, i'm yeah it would have to be on this list for me it's one of my it's i think for me it's probably a game that a lot of people would associate with me so it has to go on this list Absolutely. I think the the breadth of that team and what they're able to achieve and it's even, you know, we have titles like Sekiro Shadows Die Twice and how that team can then pivot to delivering Armored Core a year after Elden Ring came out. And it's it's mind blowing. It's it's uh you know, I don't think there's any like A and B teams on in that studio, but it's just everybody is is world class. <laughs> I would be amazed if there's any kind of structure whatsoever. Like, I, if they're not just all bouncing off the walls and somehow a game gets made at the end of it. <laughs> I like the idea of someone just going, yes, make it more difficult to go back and do it again. <laughs> <laughs> this is good, but also, could you just, like, there we go, turn it up to 25. Great. Thanks. Yeah, there you go. Um, anyway, that's my choice. I'll hand it over to you, Vip. Thank you very much. Uh, yeah, this one. Uh, came out in 2017. However, where it resonates with me most is during pandemic times. And uh, this is a little game by, by Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. Uh, this is a game which resonates with me on a number of levels. One, it's uh, Amy, to your point about communicating with your friends and, and staying in touch. They were many a nights where uh, our friends and I would uh, jump online and uh, we would race. And it's one of the few games that uh, I would say I'm competent at. So I'm not saying, you know, I'm, I'm the the best or the fastest or anything like that, but I, I, I win more than uh, more than more than I lose kind of thing. And uh, uh, that, that's a rare thing for, for me. But the the other thing, which is kind of more on a more on a base level for me, the movie Speed Racer, not a good movie by any stretch of the imagination, has so many different uh, visual styles. And it just looks like a cartoon has thrown up on a cinema screen in all the bad ways. <laughs> However, wow. As a fan of, as, as a fan of, uh, this is going to be tangible. We're going to get there. Don't uh, uh, stay with me, everybody. So, as a fan of motorsport and motor racing, many movies commit the cardinal sin of committing crimes against motorsport, whether they're not realistic or, or anything like that. Speed Racer doesn't even bother about that. It says, "What is the coolest thing we can put on this screen?" And uh, at any given point, when it comes to the the action pieces, and that's what Speed Racer is. Marika 8 is the closest uh, that I've got to within video games that feels like Speed Racer, including the Speed Racer video game that came out for the Wii in like 2009. <laughs> this game allows me to get in such of a flow state when it comes to, uh, you know, just being able to drift and, and dance the car all the way through the different uh, 
uh, levels and the, the verticality they start including with some of the DLC that they've introduced recently with some of the new tracks. It's uh, there's something special there, and again, it's 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 going back to the iconic uh, themes as well. It comes to the Rainbow Road, especially the N64 version and things like that. And Mario Kart 8 will always be special to me, and it's it's one that uh, yeah will remind me of the time that this is one of the titles that got me through the pandemic with the, the community that uh, our friends and I was able to to come around and then play this game and. Uh, yeah, and how it's the most speed racer game ever, and uh, it's why I love it. I think that might be the first time Mario Kart 8 has ever been described as the most speed racer game of all time. There you go. <laughs> if it's a unique take, I'll be proud to proud to, to rock that one. Hey, Nintendo, put that on the box yeah. art, Mario Kart 9. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Review Court, the most speed racer ass game ever. <laughs> yeah. Also, if you can release that this year, that'd be really good because I uh, picked it in another fantasy league that I'm doing. Got unannounced Mario Kart title coming out this year. Bad idea. <laughs> Did you imagine? The thing, the, the big thing is, like, did, did Nintendo even need to do? That's the thing, oh, right? No. Like, uh, you know, they just don't. And to, to Amy's point that we were discussing on a previous podcast that might come out next week, time is a flat circle. Mario Kart 9 would launch with less content than Mario Kart 8 Deluxe <laughs> Like, how do you even that's, do that kind of thing? <laughs> that's crazy. Um, so, uh, I, one of the games I was considering putting on the list was Super Mario Kart. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not going to now. Um, Mario Kart 8, I still play. And I, yeah. I, I had the same thing as you, Vitz. I played it through the pandemic with friends. I still play with that same group of friends. Um, the number, we when we load up, you go into the versus screen, and you see the number of like yeah. how many you've beaten your friends. And that number is getting scarily big now uh, in <laughs> terms of like, you know, both of us have played this many games of Mario Kart against each other. Um, it, it, what a game. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, what a series. And Mario Kart 8 is the, even if I don't think it might be the best personally, I, I, I would say Super Mario Kart just for its purity is like mm-hmm. the best one for me. But like in terms of like the most complete, brilliant, like, yeah, it's, Super Mario, it's Mario Kart 8. I, I tried to go back to Super Mario Kart on the Nintendo Switch Online uh, bit that they have. I don't know what it is, but it makes me exceedingly motion sick. Whether it's the the way that mm. that game, uh, the, the environment scrollers, they come towards you as, you as you're driving your car, and it feels like you're... You're moving your your character across the across the map as it, as opposed to you know controlling a uh, controlling a uh, a vehicle form for a better term kind of thing. I don't know what it is, but it makes me exceedingly motion sick. <laughs> so I had to put that down. It's, it's from that era of SNES where 3D wasn't quite 3D, right? So it's, yeah. it's very different. But yeah, uh, uh, it would have been on my list just because I probably put seven billion hours into it, so um, <laughs> yeah, like it would have been real. Cool. Amy, give it a whirl, girl. All right, so here we go. I'm going to break the time-space continuum and rope somebody else on this podcast into this next one, I guess, which I didn't realize until I was actually reading it back. But So I'm going to talk about a game that came out in 2017 from the vantage point of 2016. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going backwards, not forwards. So the so like there's many many people watching this podcast might know that I'm a I'm a bit of a content creator and I have been for a while so we're into my content creation phase right now and there was a time there was a point in time where I was actually like a reviewer and a coverage person I guess like for myself for other sites for other people's podcasts 
yeah, I don't know why other people let me on their podcast either, but they did, and <laughs> that's their loss, I suppose. But the first, <laughs> the first time I ever went through like what I would consider the full run of coverage, previews, interviews, reviewing the game before it came out was Sniper Elite Four. <laughs> <laughs> oh, more, more shooting people in the face! I wow. actually <laughs> shooting them in the nuts. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, with the super slow mo yeah. and the bullet going. Yeah, yeah. I was a, I was enabled that, that on this is, journey. <laughs> that, that is a sniper bullet to my crotch area. I was not expecting that, Amy. Yeah, sorry, I wrote the list <laughs> and then I realized afterwards I was like, wait, all of this is yeah. So I was enabled on this journey by Teddy, who was doing PR at the time, and and. I went to EGX and I got invited to go and play the game and interview the developers. And, and then I got a review code later the next year. Um, and like, like I did a few like press things and interview things and that year at EGX. And then I did it again. Um, later, but like that one always sticks out in my mind because one, it was the first triple A game I'd ever done that for, um, which was fucking wild. Um, to me that people were letting me like talk to, to these devs and play this game um <laughs> and then but then also like it what was i thinking i know right like i don't know what the fuck you were thinking like <laughs> but you know you weren't the only one <laughs> um i did the same thing for for mass effect andromeda <laughs> but but um in terms of like sniper elite 4 like it it was the first sort of domino that fundamentally changed like so much about how i created like the things that I created, like because mm -hmm. I had that kind of access to like the game in an unfinished state, because I got to talk to actual developers, which I'd never really gotten to do before. Um, it changed like how how I did game critique, um, how I like saw like people who made games, how I stopped shit talking games for fun because I realized that people actually make them and that's not a very nice thing to do. Um and like just all sorts of stuff like that. Like it's like set me on a completely different path to, to, to what I was probably on. Um, and, and like, yeah, like it, and it gave me like confidence to talk to game devs. <laughs> like I went from like pre that EGX being like, you know, like just play the demo and then leave <laughs> to like <laughs> after that EGX, I, I would just shoot the shit with people. Like, you know, I didn't give a fuck who they were. Like if they were like people who made games or whatever. Um, and and like I, I am where I am now in terms of the things that I focus on on this podcast and on video essays. Like I've got a video essay coming up about game credits, um, which is something like pre twenty seventeen me would never have thought to make. Um, but like I owe that to that little like start that I got from Sniper Elite Four, and so that's cool. <laughs> Hell yeah. Um I, I I love it, Amy. Um, obviously, I don't know. This might be the better to add the context, I guess. But like, um, I was working at Rebellion doing the PR for that for that game. Um, I was the only PR person at Rebellion, so that all those games that that came out was ended up me being the one who's working with people like Amy at the time and uh, you know, others. Um, uh, and yeah, uh, and it's just a, a very small part of a, of a very big team who and everyone else doing a much more important, bigger job. But um, the cool thing for me, and I, and I could easily have put Sniper Elite 4 on my list from, from the opposite perspective of, um, you know, getting to do the PR for a game like that from start to finish. That was the first one I think 
at that studio, maybe in Battlezone Virtual Reality, but that was like, um, I guess, one of the really very, very big ones, um, where I got to be part of that journey from beginning to finish, you know, organising press tours, putting out the press releases, um, you know, looking at the reviews nervously on launch, uh, I think it was the day before launch when we did the embargo, and we're hoping they're going to be good, and being like, you know, amazed and overwhelmed with like a feeling of like achievement even though I did absolutely freaking nothing you know people designed that actual game not me um but you know that game ended up being really successful um and uh you know Sniper Elite 5 gone on been you know even better review scores and and uh Rebellion is in a great state and it's so nice to hear I feel like you know that's journey for you Amy but also like you know, just to be a part of it, um, and it's so nice to hear that. And um, I was not expecting it on this list, so that's oh. awesome. <laughs> that's really special. Yeah, I thought about warning you, and then I thought, ah, it'll be funnier if I don't. Uh, also, I should the thing that's I didn't great. mention. It's also a, it's also a good game. <laughs> <laughs> so I did, yeah, I did actually like it, but um, it's on the list. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it sucked, but <laughs> no, no, it, it really did. It was like, really fun. this is the title that created the monster you see before. This, this is the title, <laughs> yeah. for better or worse, that, that led to this. <laughs> That's that. Right, so, uh, my little Sniper Elite 4 anecdote, there's uh, one of the trailers um, I got to kind of not write the script, but like come up with a kind of concept for and, and, and proofread. And um, the whole end of this trailer was like, uh, and it, this was one of the few things I can go, this was my idea, but I'm like, hey, why don't we just reveal Hitler at the end of that? And it's one of those amazing things where I just think back, I was working at a studio where like, that was a legitimate thing where you could say, like, hey, did we just put Hitler at the end of this trailer? Um, so, um, yeah, uh, I still look back on that trailer fondly and laugh at this surprise reveal of Hitler at the end of it. That's fair. <laughs> If that doesn't make want to make you buy the game, then you know you I know what it says about your political beliefs. Market. It goes <laughs> into slow motion in an X-ray camera. <laughs> you can you can shoot Hitler in the nuts, not just Nazis, and then reload the level and do it all over again. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I'm not sure how to to follow that, Amy. Um, <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah. Tough one. That's tougher than uh, Legend of Zelda or anything. Um, so. Um, I'm gonna go the only one I'm I'm certain of. Not even, and I'm not even certain of this one actually, honestly. Um, but we talked a lot about RPGs. We talked about Final Fantasy. Um, it's not the only JRPG series in town. Um, in fact, you know you can look to um, one that I, this series I'm about to talk to you about and say it's absolutely up there in terms of its regard in the West and its status these days. Um, I'm not going to talk about Persona Five though. I'm not going to talk about Persona Three Reload or any Persona Three games or Persona Five games. I'm focusing on Persona Four. Um, Persona 4 Golden in particular, which is how I played it on the Vita. Um, and I really think that's important that it was, you know, for me on the Vita. Um, this uh, this game is, is special. Um, it's uh, very fun. It's very well made. It's RPG systems are brilliant. But in terms of characters and its story, having this, this story around high schoolers who outwardly come across as very single layer, you know, stereotypical, you know, this is the the guy who's have a has a bad luck with girls and this is the the sporty girl and this is the 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 pretty uh, girl who works hard for her family. And then the game just peels back these layers and just shows you that there's like this dark side. 
in all these people, the thoughts they have, to actually voice some of these thoughts, you know, that they kind of wish that their friends would die, and, you know, they kind of, you know, just background little ideas, like, you know, I hate every single person in the world, and I wish they were all dead, really dark thoughts, can even maybe quite clumsily confronting, you know, sexuality, it was clumsy, it's not perfect, but it, it tried, and, you know, for a Japanese game, that's, that's very big, um, to, to, to even negotiate that kind of thing, especially an RPG like that. Um, but, um, you know, I, I, I just think the, the, the characterization and how you, at the end of it, you get privy to these incredibly dark thoughts of these people who are just still growing up. And at the end of it, you feel like you've made this great group of friends um, with people who you've heard say the horriblest, worst things. It's, it's special. Um, it's a great game, and um, it's one of those games that I just every so often now, every one or two years, will think, I want to go sink another 100 hours into Persona 4. Um, and, uh, you know, that's the kind, the kind of games that I really resonate with, was one where I have that thought. All these games on this list, every single one I've mentioned, I have that thought that, you know, I'd quite like to just go back and play this game again from start to finish and relive those memories. So, Persona 4 God. That's amazing. Uh, yeah, that one's on the list as well. Like, <laughs> I've, I'm doing Royal, and then we'll see where I end up. <laughs> it not, and, and I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's literally on the spreadsheet. It's near the top because it's one of the longer games. Uh, mm. A lot of people will say Persona Five is the better game. It's definitely the more stylish. The RPG systems are better. Um, it looks better because it's newer. I just don't think it has the characters like Persona Four does. And for me. Um, you come away wanting to be the the game again spoilery, but the game and very light ending, but the game ends with you leaving the area that you are visiting, um, and you are on that train going away from it, and you don't you don't want to go, you don't you don't want the game to end, you want to keep having adventures with these people. It's uh, and I and I not saying that in a kind of like throwaway way. I've never felt that kind of emotion, even like the game I just thought of Final Fantasy X a little while ago. Mm. I wanted that game to end because it was too freaking painful. This one I didn't want to end. I wanted more of it. Um, I wanted it to keep going. Uh, and that's the best compliment I could pay it. That's a really good compliment for any game. Yeah. When you've sunk that amount of time into something and you still want to keep going. like <laughs> Absolutely. And you do it all over that's again it, as yeah. well. That's, that's a brilliant thing. Yeah. So that's Persona for Golden. Bits and everything. Great stuff. Uh, so we're going back, or we're staying in 2017, if you're keeping up to date with where Alice is going. Uh, it's the Sony first party title, uh, another one. Uh, but this one is a little bit different. So this one is Uncharted Lost Legacy. Uh, so I'm a fan of the Uncharted games. However, uh, Nate Drake is a terrible human being. <laughs> Have you ever heard of Ludo Narrative Dissonance? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And he said, "Arming Elena can do, <laughs> Elena can and probably knows she could do a whole lot better than this man, but for some reason chooses to stay with him anyway." But Lost Mass Legacy, Murphy. Lost Legacy is, is one of the titles where uh, I believe uh, originally it was intended to be DLC for Uncharted Four, uh, but then evolved into its own title and stars uh, Chloe Fraser and uh, Nadine, uh, uh, and uh, it's primarily set in India. Uh, which is where uh, uh, I, I was born in the, here in the UK, but a lot of my family uh, uh, hail from there kind of thing. And 
it was so special to see a uh, mainstream title dive into uh, India and that culture and to delve into the mythology of Hinduism. And uh, yeah, it, it is such a such an amazing game and uh, naturally it takes a lot of the elements that are, uh, and the mechanics from Uncharted 4. In a lot of ways, it's refining, it cuts out a lot of the fat. And I think it still makes for a, uh, it's a better experience. Uh, obviously, I think Uncharted 4 has more bombastic inset pieces and and what have you. But I think from from an emotional storytelling point of view of Chloe and the journey that she goes on and just the opening, how he opens up in the market and you see uh, the little girl and how India is all about commerce and it's always business, business, business. And it, uh, it, it completely picks up on that vibe and where that story goes and how it uh, relates to obviously Clarina and her family and what they did beforehand. Uh, it is such a special title and uh, it kind of kind of brought me closer to my culture. Uh, and I think that's probably one of the, the best things you can say for it. And uh, it is a, still a beautifully stunning game to to look at and to to go through, and it's one of these that I'll go back to every couple of years or so just to experience and to be in that world. Uh, I don't think we'll see characters like Nadine Ross again, especially voiced by Laura Bailey. I think there's a bit of a hubbub about uh, Laura Bailey and their ethnicity playing someone who is of uh, South African uh, descent and things like that. And Claudia Black absolutely killed it as a role of Chloe, as she always does, kind of thing. Uh, but yeah, if you haven't checked that out because you uh, may have considered, oh, it's just a spin-off title, it doesn't really count, then uh, I would ask you to correct your ways and go back to it. Uh, I feel very called out. Um, so um, uh, I love Uncharted series. I, mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I love it. <laughs> Yeah, this is my time to feel that now, Amy. Um, so yeah, like I, I, I love the Uncharted series. Uncharted Two wouldn't make this list for me, but it's I think is is one of the, the mm -hmm. you know potentially one of the best games of all time. Again, yeah. um, I I played a bit of um, Lost Legacy, and um, I about stuff it. I just didn't don't know why it didn't connect. Um, but listening to you, Vitz, I'm like, I need to go back and give it a fair shake. I didn't give it a fair shake. I just bounced off it and went, yeah, it's DLC kind of game. I'm not not good. Maybe it just I'll come back to it at some point. But um, I know a lot of people, a lot of people say this is their favorite Uncharted mm -hmm. entry. Um, and to hear you sort of speak about how I was speaking to you really personally in terms of your, your heritage and culture, um, that's something I, I think I didn't even give the game a chance to kind of show me. And so, um, mm. yeah, called out, fair deeds. I'll go back to that game. Thank you for giving me a chance <laughs> to give it a, a, another go. Gotcha. Yeah, it wasn't my intention to you personally, but <laughs> I'm glad you're going to give every, it a chance. Every, every, every pick in this round has just been personally <laughs> directed <laughs> at our guests. <laughs> No, I, I think a lot of a lot of the reticence towards that game is the proximity it came out to uh, Uncharted Four as well, and I think there was a lot of appetite for. Uh, okay, this this was uh, this was brilliant. I'd love one of these experiences every couple of years or so. Obviously, the team at Autodoc had different ideas about what they they uh, the direction they wanted to take uh, the franchise, and I think it's good that they put kind of put it on ice after uh, after Lost Legacy, after the events of Uncharted Four, at least anyway. Uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, it's such a special gem, and the and the uh, remaster on PlayStation Five is part of the Legacy Legacy of Thieves collection. I want to say, uh, yeah, it's a really really decent port of it. I think it's a bit if you're a PlayStation Plus extra, 
um, use. I think it might be available via that 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 catalog. Um, or if not, it was a previous PlayStation Plus title, and you might have it in your. I can't remember. It's one of those two. Yeah, okay. and even if you have the the PlayStation Four disc, I think it's a ten pound, ten dollar uh, upgrade uh, to the PS Five version anyway. So, uh, so uh, yeah, the the barrier is relatively low. Excellent. I will, well, I would just very quickly say the reason I bounced off it, and I wonder if this is for other people too, is that I just the open world kind of side of it didn't quite gel with me. Um, mm. There's a little like area where you are essentially in that, yeah, that in Western Guards. Yeah, yeah. And I just didn't connect, but I didn't give it the chance to 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 really flourish. So um, yeah, I, I want to go back to Uncharted, and I feel like this is the time to. Stay. I'm on board. I feel like I've been sold on a lot of games tonight. Um, <laughs> I hate to do. Amy, hey, the baton has been passed to you, my friend. Well, I hate to do this, but because um, I'm I'm really enjoying this conversation, but we're more or less out of time, and we haven't made it through our entire <laughs> list. So should we? Quick fire? I, well, I have a proposition. Okay. Instead of okay. instead of quick firing and not giving the rest of our lists the the space that they deserve, because I think we've had some truly spectacular conversations about some truly fantastic games, and I've loved every minute of this podcast. Let's. What if we put a pin in, pin in it for now, and we'll set a date to come back and finish this off. Oh, I'm down. In in another podcast, we'll we'll tell Moody go play football manager and pet his dog or whatever um <laughs> <laughs> and we'll we'll come back and we'll we'll do this again like finish these lists off and then if we have time just shoot the shit about other things that other games that we really love um because i don't want to i don't like because like we've all got what three three left yes yeah and i don't want to like yeah. just rapid Short fire changer. go through that when like the conversations mm-hmm. that we've had have been so like fantastic so far and i imagine those nine games are also going to generate really fantastic conversations yeah i i, I will admit i said the rapid fire as a kind of trigger to you because that's what jeff Keighley did at the game awards <laughs> so i just wanted to see if you'd buy it, but credit to you, you didn't <laughs> no no i am waiting for you to wrap to write uh wrap it up please on your wall behind you <laughs> just to really uh, like set me off you know digital, digital <laughs> backgrounds coming next week <laughs> video viewers <laughs> But no, like, how does everyone feel about like maybe in a in a few weeks, just like coming back together and and doing the rest of this properly? Uh, this has been the most fun. I I'm happy to do this all day, every day. Yeah, definitely. Gives well, you the opportunity to actually pick those three last games because I haven't yet. Well, Vitz, you're not allowed to say <laughs> no. You work here, but <laughs> there you go. Um, cool. So we'll we'll definitely do that then. Um. And I hate I like even as as you as 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 you were both talking about those games, I was looking at the clock and I was going, I, 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 "What do I do?" I was like, "I don't want to stop this conversation, but I have to. I have to be the responsible podcast host." <laughs> She's being mum. She's being the good mum. Um. So uh, yeah, yeah. Look, we've we've got we've got McDonald's at home. <laughs> um, okay. But, uh, Sadie, can I can I just say this has been the most wonderful evening, uh, and it's been a pleasure to to meet you and get to know you and to go through some of your most cherished games. And I'm very much looking forward to doing this again. Oh, absolutely! Likewise for for both of you, it's been lovely to to get to know you. But uh, I always think talking about games is the great best way to to get to to know somebody. Hell yeah! Um, and I've just had a really uh, great time, and yeah. Um, I, I very much would be happy to do the remainder of this and uh, maybe in those intervening weeks I'll pick some games. 
<laughs> or just wing it. Just hey, just just wing yeah. it. You never know what'll come out when when you just like just wing it. So so normally Moody would, would close off the podcast with some some words of positivity. Uh, so I guess I'll try and give it a go. Um, it's like I've had such a fun 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 time talking, like in the conversations that we've had tonight. And I guess what I really want to say is, um, I, ha ha, Moody. This is what happens when you go on holiday. No, 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 no. <laughs> How'd I do? So I, I think you nailed it. Excellent. Uh, pure optimism. I don't know what he usually says. Punch the sky. No, I, does, I mean, it, no. Like, uh, he usually says, uh, "You're awesome, and you're deserving of awesome things, and uh, make awesome things happen for you." And he says, "Awesome or amazing," awesome. many, many different times. Uh, I would like to add to that and just say, uh, be sure to take care of yourself out there, friends. It's a challenging time in the world in general and in the video game industry. Uh, reach out to those who have been affected by the dark times and know that it's never too late to reach out to your friends, regardless of if it's been uh, months or years since you've spoken to them and you've just lost each other through the, the vastness of the pandemic or the, the world that it is today. Just reach out to them and uh, I guarantee you that they will uh, reach that uh, handout back to you as well, because uh, friends is what's going to get us through all this. And you can do that via the critically acclaimed MMORPG Final Fantasy XIV, which has three expansions all the way up to Soul Blood. You can play up to level 70 for free. Um, um, I should that. do PR for Square Enix. But, uh, yes. You know, I do it for Konami. <laughs> I should say, hey, you can also do that for Yu-Gi-Oh! Master Duel and Yu-Gi-Oh! Duel Links. Please play the games that I work on. Thank you. And the Yu-Gi-Oh! TCG. Okay, bye. <laughs> Bye, everybody. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>